0: Hello and welcome to A Smashing Theory, the Super Smash Bros ultimate prediction podcast. I'm Daniel and I'm Sean. And hey everybody, hello. Oh man, so some shit happened. Yes. Uh in the world of Smash Bros, boy did it. Over the past week, oh man. And we are we are ready to talk about it. Yeah, we are. <laughs> First, as always, we'll we'll do some quick corrections from last episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the episode before last (laughs) episode, I said some stuff about Double World's localization, Double World for the NES, that America got it in the States as like a virtual console release or something, but it didn't. And then in the last episode, while I was correcting it, I claimed (laughs) that Europe uh, was the one that got it as a virtual console release, but not as a physical, not as like an original release, right? Uh, in the 80s. Uh, Devil World was released in Europe July 15th, 1987, and then it also got a virtual console release. I so- love
1: that true to its nature in Devil World, the devil is just haunting you with this with corrections <laughs> for this game. Like next week, he'll be like, Yeah, I said it was in Europe, but actually, it was in Australia. <laughs> like- <laughs>
0: Actually, it's been called Devil Girl this whole time. (laughs) And I've, I I don't know. Anyway, I mentioned last episode that I think Evo started in 2002. I was technically right, even though I kind of just guessed that year. Uh, but I was also, but I was also kind of wrong. Uh, (laughs) Evo was initially a tournament called Battle by the Bay in 1996. Uh, 1996 was the first one, and then they had another one a few years later, and then they eventually shifted to the Evo name when they expanded the tournament. Wow. Yeah, and Evo, uh, Evo's first year under that name was 2002. Okay. And finally, the green goop man in arms is named Helix. Ah. Uh, I did not remember his name. But now we all know. Yes. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. You're all welcome so here on a the smashing theory we like to make predictions mm-hmm. about what's going to be in super smash bros ultimate and we like to do that in a lot of different ways we sometimes we go uh franchise by franchise sometimes we go company by company and other times we just make predictions about things related to <laughs> smash bros very
1: loosely this is becoming like um did you see the movie Rat Race in the early 2000s? Probably. Late oh, I, 90s. I
0: vaguely remember it. Was okay. Whoop, was Whoopi Goldberg in that? I think so.
1: Yeah. Um. But John Cleese in that plays this character who's kind of a compulsive gambler, and he has a bunch of other rich compulsive gambling friends, and they just bet on random stuff, like will there be turbulence on this flight? You huh. know. Uh, and uh, that's what our podcast is becoming
0: now at this point. Uh, just making predictions on whatever we want. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. But on that note, sometimes we do episodes where we make predictions, and sometimes we've made so many predictions that we have to make reaction episodes (laughs) where we unpack all of our predictions (laughs) and find out which were right and which were wrong, uh, usually after some kind of event. We did one for E3, that was a lot of fun, and this is our Evo, and... Smash Direct Reaction episode. Yes. First, we're going to talk about the Evo predictions that we made last week, because Evo happened. Right. This past weekend, Evo being uh, kind of the head honcho of fighting game tournaments.
1: Mm-hmm. The,
0: the Big Daddy, the, the... The King Kahuna. Yes. bunch of major fighting games have these super high-tier pros just compete in them. From all over the world. Yeah, and generally because... So many eyes are watching. Uh, the companies behind these games generally help with sponsorships and, and they also tend to bring reveals for the fighting games they make Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, the, the games that are being presented. There, there tend to be a lot of cool fighting game reveals during EVO. Right. Every year. So we made predictions about reveals and let's, let's, uh, let's try going through them real quick. Let's do. So injustice. Two, uh, was the first game to have their finals. Right. Really cool tournament. A lot yeah. of, a lot of cool, a lot of cool shit happened. Really like Injustice Two. We talked about that last week. I
1: was definitely the most invested in that because Injustice Two is my primary fighting game. Yeah. Uh, so I had a really good time watching that.
0: Yeah. And, and I did too, even though, even though like it's not my primary fighting game, I'm awful at Netherrealm games. <laughs> But uh it's still really cool to see people that are really skilled at NetherRealm games. Yeah, for sure. Um and Sonic Fox, the kinda the guy to beat, was beat yes during the tournament. He did not win Evo, and uh <laughs> we'll probably be talking about Sonic Fox a little bit later. But that that was that was cool. That was a cool upset. Like I think some guy that had never won Evo before won, right?
1: Yeah, it was you know what? Um He's on the same team as Honeybee, who is this incredible Flash player. Right, right. And I can't remember what his tag is, but uh, he won, and it was well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, He wound up beating another really good player called Tweety to win. Right. uh, Which I was very impressed by. I actually thought I I would have put money on Tweety to take that series. Right,
0: right. Uh, And uh, it was a fun matchup. Nice. So we predicted... (laughs) We discussed the possibility of a Mortal Kombat 11 reveal happening during Evo. Right. Because it was absent from E3 and that was weird enough by itself. But during the conversation, we kind of, I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, Ed Boon hasn't been teasing anything. Maybe we're just gonna get nothing. Right. Uh, like it feels weird that there won't be a reveal after a Netherrealm game because Netherrealm always has reveals for Evo. I settled on Yeah, we probably will not see Mortal Kombat 11. Maybe we'll, we'll see like an update for Injustice 2 or something, but we won't see Mortal Kombat 11. And sadly, you were correct about that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm bummed that I was right. Yeah. But there was no Mortal Kombat 11 and there wasn't anything at all. The the tournament just ended and we moved on to Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle Finals. Yes. Man, this was a cool tournament. Yeah, it was. I liked it a lot. Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle is actually a really fun game to watch. Just super mm-hmm. hectic, a lot of great cool flashy stuff happens in that game. All the Ruby characters are really cool and well built. Yeah, I actually um watching this kind of
1: inspired me to pick Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle back up because I we have it in the house, but I hadn't played it since kind of the demo was available. Right, the beta, yeah. And uh so I finally had the opportunity to try some characters I hadn't tried before. And uh, the Blaze Blue characters are awesome. All of them are just really, really cool and have interesting move sets.
0: And speaking of Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle characters, we predicted that they would probably just—they should—and probably would just reveal all the DLC characters that we already knew about anyway, <laughs> because people had data mind the game right. months ago. Yeah. And not only did they do that, not only did they reveal the next three DLC packs of characters. They announced the release date for those characters, and the release date was uh, this Monday—the Monday that has already <laughs> happened. Basically, they're just like, yeah, when the weekend, uh, when Evo weekend is over, you will be able to download and play these characters, and that was great. I yeah. think I, I think I might have said something like that too. It's like it'll be great if they're just like, and you can <laughs> download it today. And uh, you were close enough. Yeah, like, close uh, enough. I'll, I would take
1: that. Yeah, I've I've had the opportunity to try out some of the new characters, and they're fun. That's a fun yeah. game. Yeah. It's a great game. No,
0: it's a really fun game. Yeah, uh, I think... What was it? It was... uh, Well, this this isn't a Blaze Boo podcast. Yeah. I don't need to name all of them. All I know is that Labrys was in there, and I'm so glad to have yeah. her back. Uh, Yeah, some some of my mains from previous games were in there. Merkaba from right. Under Night Birth. Just this big, like gangly alien with like just these absurd
1: attacks that's a lot of fun to play he's very freaky and daniel is pretty good at being annoying as (laughs) him i have to say he's Uh, got kind of the dalsam thing where he's like stretchy limbs and you know there's just a lot of fun ways that you can pester your opponent
0: yeah uh that was fun but anyway yeah uh cool (laughs) characters and they did one thing that i did not mention on this podcast but i should have because it was kind of part of that sort of uh, pile of data mine stuff. Mm-hmm. I think this accidentally got leaked on the PSN store or something, or maybe it was part of a data mine. I think maybe it was part of the data mine. Basically, like announcer files were found. Like basically, two single names. Uh, I think one of them was Homura. Mm-hmm. I've read who the other one was, but basically, it was the names of two Senron Kagura characters. Right. Arc System Works, their Blaze Blue cross tag battle revealed they didn't mention any Senron Kagura characters, but what they did do. At the end of their trailer where they showed all the DLC characters that we already knew about. Uh what one of the things with Blaze Cross Tag Battle also is that each uh each franchise, each of the four franchises in the game is represented by like a colored diamond. Right. So the end of the trailer just like had an image at the end that had like a fifth diamond <sighs> that was pink and it just said, A new fate awaits. Mm-hmm. So that all kind of lines up with that Senron Kagura rumor, so we'll probably see an announcement like that sometime later this year. Senron Kagura for the Uninitiated
1: is incidentally a very fan service heavy series of yeah. games and anime and media. Uh so uh look forward to that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, uh, I guess you will enjoy
0: that. I, I guess. <laughs> anyway, that was the last non-smash thing that happened on that Saturday. Then on Sunday at 8 a.m. in the morning Pacific Time, there was a Guilty Gear Exard Rev 2 Finals. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about Smash stuff in a second, uh, but basically, the Smash 4 tournament ran very late, mm-hmm. and Guilty Gear Exard started pretty early, and Sean and I were resolved to watch both. <laughs> uh, so Guilty Gear Exard Finals were cool, but I did fall asleep uh, <laughs> like during the grand finals of Guilty Gear, That doesn't mean that it wasn't exciting, that just meant that I had... He's running uh, on very little sleep. Yes, I had just uh, taken my physical limit there. But we predicted that maybe there'd be a a reveal for a new Arc System Works game, whatever the Guilty Gear team was working on. Instead, uh, an Arc System Works-focused tournament tour got announced. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arc Rev, uh, starting in Arc Rev Japan this fall and then culminating in Arc Rev America. Next fall, right in Los Angeles, I think. And then, like, at the end of that announcement, the CEO of Arc System Works was like, The head of the Guilty Gear team is making something involving Guilty Gear right now, <laughs> he's hard at work, and that's all I'm telling you. So, unless that comes as a re- as a Guilty Gear reveal, uh, we were wrong. Uh, we, we hypothesize either a new installment of Guilty Gear Exard or Persona 5 Arena. Uh, the former was. A more realistic expectation and the latter
1: would have been completely awesome. <laughs> yeah, the latter was just a,
0: a just a passionate hope. Right. But alas, neither really came true. But you know, what that means is we'll probably get to see some cool arc system work stuff next year. Right. Then, Tekken 7 finals happened. <laughs> so Tekken 7 is a game that Sean and I don't really play too much. Yeah. Uh my girlfriend's really into it. Amy Lee likes it. But man, uh Tekken 7 top 8 at Evo was actually a lot of fun to watch. Surprisingly, it was really great. Surprisingly so, especially because like really all the top 4 players uh were playing some really cool, really flashy characters. Mm-hmm. One of the American players still in the top 8 uh was a King player. Yes. And uh He just had some amazing plays, like, every match with him, and it was, like, really tense and really cool. And when King is on a tear, that's a very
1: cool-looking character in the fighting style.
0: Yeah, he he just, like, grapples you into another grapple into another (laughs) grapple, and just, like, a a 40-second-long, like, series of throws. It's really neat. Really amazing to watch, a lot of fun. That guy ultimately did not win, and I was really rooting for him, but that's okay. Yeah. Still really cool. We hypothesized that we'll, we'll do our hypotheses a little out of order. Uh, because before the Tekken 7 tournament even started, the Soul Calibur 6 producer came on stage and revealed, uh, two new Soul Calibur 6 characters. We did predict Soul Calibur 6 reveals. Right. We we thought that'd be a thing. Uh, they revealed Astaroth and Song Minah to sort of. You know, popular-ish legacy characters, mm-hmm. and they—they they seem great. They both seem really fun.
1: Yeah, Asteroth in particular, who I—I've ne- never paid attention to in previous Soul Caliber games. I thought seemed really cool. Just big burly guy beating the shit out of people. You know, a yeah. lot of his
0: hits seemed really impactful. Yes. So I'll be excited to give him a shot now. Really, uh, when s- the game comes out, seems like a really devastating bruiser character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun. But for the Tekken Seven predictions. We were looking at sort of the whisperings of a season two. Right. Uh, for Tekken seven. And we, uh, I floated the idea of it being a little more substantial than season ones, like more characters. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a bit better of a deal than season one's, uh, two characters and a mode was. Right. And, uh, I think it's safe to say that I called that. (laughs) So they, Harada, the publisher, uh, the producer of Tekken 7. Who is hilarious, incidentally. Yeah, really funny. Like he basically like first he tried to just walk off the stage, he's like, okay, bye everybody, that's everything. Uh you can start booing now, please. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then, you know, after some theatrical boos, he was like, Just kidding. Video. Uh and and we got a lot of a lot of season two DLC stuff. So like they sort of showed us stuff incrementally. First we got uh first we got a trailer for Anna Williams. Nina Williams sister. She's kind of a uh, kind of like this femme fatale character. Right. Reminds me a lot of like Ada Wong from uh-huh, Resident Evil. Uh-huh. Got a lot of that vibe. Parallels there. Yeah. Like she has a cool super where she shoots you with a bazooka. Uh <laughs> Then they showed Lee Chaolan, the sort of Bruce Lee analog, much like Fei Long in Street Fighter and Mm-hmm. you know every bruce lee analog that's in every fighting game <laughs> but uh, lee is kind of cool because he's like an old man now you right. know right uh and he's got like he's he's got some suave, he's got some swagger to him it's he's pretty fun to watch and his fighting style seems really cool agreed and then they showed that season 6 would have six characters mm-hmm. right then they See, season season 2 what did i say season 6 you did <laughs> uh, they said that season 2 would have six characters and you know it slid in uh pictures for Anna and Lee and then the lat the six character slot was like red with a question mark (laughs) on it and then it just zoomed in on it and then (laughs) you see some close ups of like a bat like with barbed wire on it and uh And then you just hear, like, this gruff voice. It's like, "Eh, walk some dead. I don't know what this character says. I've never fucking watched The Walking Dead. But basically, Negan from The Walking Dead was revealed as a playable character for Tekken 7. Which no one on
1: planet Earth was (laughs) expecting at all. Yeah. uh, That was a really wild reveal. I don't know a lot about Walking Dead myself, but just... By virtue of Negan getting announced, yeah. I have learned that he is apparently this kind of sadistic character with this bat who tortures yeah. people and things like that.
0: Yeah, very uh, popular fan favorite. No, he seems like a really brutal character that would actually kind of fit Tekken really well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Maybe Mortal Kombat a little bit better. But
1: <laughs> since we didn't get an announcement for that,
0: I guess Harada <laughs> scooped him up first. <laughs> Very just crazy ass reveal. The internet went nuts, yeah. but really cool. Obviously, we didn't call it. No. Um, I was thinking more like Kazuma Kiryu from Yakuza, which I still think could be a thing. Yeah, I think that'd be a really good choice. Yeah, because what, what I think is going to happen is I think the remaining three DLC characters we don't know about, two of them will be Tekken legacy characters, mm-hmm. right? Two of them will be, uh, Tekken characters and the third one, Will be another guest character.
2: Okay. And I think I Kazuma
0: it. Kiryu is like kind of works perfectly for that. But I don't know. Maybe it'll be, <laughs> maybe it'll be uh, Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> that's, that's one of the memes I saw flying around and it's very funny. I would main Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> that, that would cause me
1: to play Tekken 7. Actually, you know, every time I see footage of Tekken 7, I'm like, oh, I should try that again. Right. Um, in particular, <laughs> there's been this great, thing flying around, I guess, uh, Harada on Twitter was responding yes, to someone yes. who was kind of saying like, "Oh, I don't think Harada knows how to market Tekken," <laughs> and he basically responded by saying, "You know, first of all, if I didn't know how to market Tekken, then it wouldn't be selling so well. Yeah. Second of all, why don't you just shut up, enjoy streaming, or eat some delicious pizza? <laughs> yeah. Like <those> were his <laughs> suggestions, yeah, right? For this guy should take a chill pill. Yeah. And uh, I just appreciated that as a man who frequently enjoys
0: streaming while eating delicious pizza.
1: <laughs> Some some good advice, Harada.
0: No, he uh, he had no chill there, and it, it was great. <laughs> Harada's great. Yeah, he's hilarious. Uh, <laughs>
1: he like constantly wears sunglasses. Yeah, and uh, just struts around like a like a really cool guy. Yeah,
0: a lot, a lot of like uh, a lot of this almost like diva like confidence. Uh-huh. That's that's obviously like kind of kind of showing off. He's he's very yeah. like theatrical. He's kind a of a ways. walking fighting
1: game character. <laughs> yeah, I would love to play as Hirata. He also, um, I saw a video. He entered Evo. Oh, nice! Uh, and I found a video where he plays against and defeats someone else
0: in pools. Uh, so nice. It's cool
1: to know that you know. In addition to developing this game, he's he's also into it.
0: Yeah, I love it when people in like you know that when game developers and publishers and people like involved in the video game companies that make these games do that. Me too. I, I really love when that happens. It's it's uh. It's really a, a wholesome, for like a better word. Really, really not like. For sure. Yeah. Really heartwarming. So, Dragon Ball Fighters had their top eight, their finals, 4 p.m. Pacific time. And it actually was more like. <laughs> it was more like all these games ran late. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Dragon Ball Fighters started like half an hour to an hour late.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, those finals were really nuts. Uh, Sonic Fox, sort of the, the King of Netherrealm games, did not win Injustice. Right. But he did win. Dragon Ball Fighters. He yes, got, he got first place. He did, uh, and he did it in in very much like kind of a wrestling heel way, <laughs> he really did. where like half of the fighting game community, was just like really mad at him. Uh, I I was mad at him for a little while. I I I, I was I, I was disappointed in yeah. him.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe mad is a strong word. Yeah. I I so essentially what Sonic Fox did is <laughs> he was up uh, in the grand finals against a very talented uh, Dragon Ball Fighters player. Yeah, Goichi. Uh, yeah. Go- he had defeated Goichi previously in order to get to his current spot, and he'd done very well against him. Yeah. And during the grand finals, uh, Goichi was coming in from the loser's side of the bracket, which in a double elimination means he has to essentially defeat Sonic Fox
0: twice. Yeah. He in, has uh, to uh, three. Yeah, it's called resetting the bracket. Yes, right. he, he has to beat him once before before they're both on the same tier again, and he can beat him again.
1: And so it started off kind of seeming as though it was maybe a little bit even. Uh, And then just gradually during the set, Goichi really started to figure Sonic Fox out. Sonic Fox started making a lot of mistakes, and Goichi wound up taking the set and resetting the bracket. I think 3-0. Yeah, yeah, it was 3-0, yeah. yeah. And so then Sonic Fox, (laughs) you can kind of see on the stream that they're talking to one another. Yeah. uh, And then all of a sudden, like, translators are coming over and officials are coming over, and we in the audience don't really know what's going on. Right. It turns out that what was happening was Sonic Fox essentially said to Goichi after that set, hey, can I switch to player one side? Because he was playing uh, as player two. Yeah, uh, And so his characters were starting off on the right side of the screen as opposed to the left. Yes. And uh, evidently, according to tournament rules, that is something that can be done. And yes. if the players can't agree who should start on player one side, then there's a coin toss. Yeah. Uh, so Sonic Fox... Called Tails, of course he did, <laughs> uh, and uh, wound up winning the coin toss and swapping over to the player one side. And it's worth noting that this took, like,
0: six minutes. Yeah,
1: it, it took a considerable amount of time. Goichi looked a little confused throughout most of it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after that happened, Sonic Fox just destroyed him.
0: Yeah, it, it started out kind of even again, but then Sonic Fox, like, just messed him up. Yeah. Mess, messed him the hell up. Um, And so, you
1: know, uh, after this happened, a lot of people in the community accused him of what's called icing Goichi, meaning that he was kind of deliberately stalling the game in order to rob Goichi of this momentum that he had built up. Yeah. Uh, There's been a lot of debate about this in the community. Sonic Fox himself has explained that he essentially said, you know, if I if I wanted to ice him, I could just ask for a break because that's in the rules, too. Yeah. I really did want to switch over to player one side. Yeah. And we'll never know whether or not that's true and exactly <laughs> what his motivations were. Um, initially, I was a lot more upset that he had done that. But after kind of reflecting on sports in general, yeah. it occurred to me that like this kind of thing happens in sporting a lot. Right. Like, for instance, in uh, basketball... Uh, if a player is about to make, you know, a free throw that could be game winning, yeah, a lot of the time they kind of dribble the ball a little bit, they get ready to shoot, and then the other team calls a timeout, right, right, to kind of. Uh disrupt his concentration so he has to get ready again yeah uh and it was it was that level of scumbaggery you know right like it like obviously it wasn't like tournament illegal or anything like that right but if you're on the opposing team and i'm I'm really not i was reading for sonic fox i was too yeah <laughs> but if you're on the opposing team it's like oh come on fuck you what are yeah. you doing yeah you know, yeah you, you know you know what you did yeah you didn't
0: need a timeout <laughs> it it, w- it just would have been really nice to see uh Sonic Fox, like, take that win, like, on his own merits without, like, having to do things outside of the game, yes. you know? Yes, yeah, no, uh, exactly. So there, there was a bit of disappointment there, mm-hmm. um... And, you know, the internet
1: kind of fell into different camps. Some people were yeah. upset with him. Some people kind of thought it was really cool that he had used this kind of metagaming strategy. <laughs> That's <laughs> the dumbest camp. No, Ke- I- <laughs> Keats actually was like that. Keats, the the organizer of U.P.T. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. and a uh, figurehead of Iron Galaxy, a fighting game developer, yeah. essentially said, like, this is nothing compared to some of the shit that I've seen as a tournament organizer. I saw that, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I get, but at the
0: same time, it's, you know, I... Yeah. No, like, I just, I, I
1: just wish it hadn't happened.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't know. There's, there's a statement I like that, uh, I guess I kind of came up with. <laughs> uh, a statement that kind of occurred to me a while back. And I just think it applies to a lot of things. I, I came up with it actually. Uh, actually, it was sort of the wind up to Injustice 2, mm-hmm. right? Injustice 1 had Catwoman in it. Mm hmm. And you know she she has like the jumpsuit with just like the unnecessary cleavage, right? <laughs> right, right. The uh, V. Yeah, yeah. And w- we were winding up to Catwoman getting announced for Injustice Two. We had reason to believe that she would get announced soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in like these gaming forums and stuff, and a lot of people in in these forums were like, "I hope Catwoman has a more practical, more covered-up costume this right. time." And a lot of other people were responding. It's like, why can't she have the costume that she had in Justice One? She has the same costume in the comics and it's fine there. <laughs> uh, right. and then I said in this, in this thread, sure, just because there's a precedent for something doesn't make it not stupid. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, that's how I feel about kind of these. These rules that give you an advantage mm-hmm. outside of your gameplay. Yes. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I th- I think there there's probably exceptions that that make legitimate sense, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I I think I think maybe this this swi- the seat switching uh coin toss rule is maybe a bit antiquated, and maybe yeah, I, I'm not saying they should remove it completely, but maybe it should be revisited somehow.
1: No, I agree. I was I was uh, talking with some randos on Twitter about this on my Twitter account, <laughs> and one guy essentially said, like, you know, it sucks that this happened, but I think that this is really just emblematic of a larger problem in how fighting game tournaments are scheduled, right? And that going forward, adjustments should be made so that things like this can't happen. Yeah, and I agree with that. You know, like yeah. maybe there should just be a mandated break between sets if you're resetting the bracket. Yeah, um, uh,
0: I'd I'd be okay with that. Yeah, like yeah, like. I think on one level, it is, it is maybe a little unfair to expect these guys to just like, like do two sets back to back, you know, right. like do like just half an hour of fighting games <laughs> yeah. straight, you know, that's yeah. a little unfair too. Mm-hmm. So like, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying that Sonic Fox isn't allowed to take a break there. Right. Um, but there was, but there was definitely some yeah.
1: gamesmanship involved. Yeah. You know?
0: he, he handled it in a way that felt sneaky. Yeah. And yeah. You know, <laughs> I th- I think one of his other tweets was basically like, I don't give a shit what y'all think. I'm number one Dragon Ball fighters champion, which is, which is very Sonic Fox. Yeah. Very Sonic Fox. Like, like I said, he's kind of like a heel in wrestling. Right. Yeah. Uh, this,
1: this was not so much a heel turn as it was a continuation of what he's <laughs> been for his entire life.
0: Yeah. But anyway, uh, here on this Smash Bros podcast, <laughs> I guess we talk about Sonic Fox, the guy who will, well, you know, uh, this is actually almost topical because oh. Sonic, Sonic Fox, uh, not too long ago accepted a pro Smash players challenge, <laughs> uh, to like do a, do a set in Ultimate when that game came out. That is true. So maybe you guys that like Smash Bros and like following Smash Bros competitively will, uh, will get to see what what Sonic Fox does in your game in the in the near-ish future. You thought this was a tangent, but it was actually a primer. Yes. And now you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> you're more ready than you needed to be. You're welcome. Anyway, so Dragon Ball Fighters reveals Uh we guessed that a uh, regular Goku and Vegeta would, you know, get a release date and it'd be like a they're releasing right now thing. Yeah. Um the trailers that they showed off did not have release dates for Goku and Vegeta, but mm. what they they ended up releasing August eighth anyway, the day we're recording this. <laughs> right, right. Um and and something I didn't expect is there's sort of a they showed a trailer for basically sort of like a new story mode thing that basically just reenacts the Saiyan saga. Yeah. Uh with uh regular Goku and regular Vegeta like being a big major part of that.
1: Yeah, definitely wouldn't have predicted that glad it's getting thrown in there
0: yeah that's a very cool and it kind of almost like justifies their presence a bit more you <laughs> right, know. right uh because I guess it would be kind of weird to be fighting as like Saiyan Goku and Saiyan Vegeta mm-hmm. in that story mode maybe not so weird that they that this was the only solution but you know <laughs> uh then uh we also predicted that Android 17 the sort of ranger version of Android 17 that's in the Tournament of Power, mm-hmm. and Cooler, from one of the Dragon Ball movies, uh, Frieza's older brother, right, would be revealed as playable and get a trailer. They revealed Cooler. Yes. But they did not reveal Android 17.
1: Cooler, I have to say, looks completely rad. Yeah, right? Like As, as someone who hasn't been super interested in the content of Dragon Ball Fighters, even right. though I enjoy watching tournaments, Yeah, um, I was really blown away by how into Cooler I was. He's yeah. just this big, hulking character who looks like he has a lot of really meaty attacks, and he has a really neat kind of design, and uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, him. and he just looks like
0: an anime version of Shredder from the Ninja Turtles. Which I'm okay with. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking, yeah, we're, I I already bought the season pass, but <laughs> I'd spend money on it if I hadn't already. Right. Right. And then we made some other, uh, Bandai Namco fighting game predictions. Yeah, we those thought, went really well. Yeah. Yeah. We thought that maybe My Hero Academia and or One Piece, like those upcoming games would show up. They did not. Nope. We thought that there'd be some jump force reveals. There were not. I knew. And, uh, then we thought maybe we'd get like one, like some big surprise reveal, uh, from them, like something like Naruto fighters. Yeah. Uh, and that definitely did not happen. Although I do think. That that could end up being a reveal next year. Believe it. Yeah, believe it. <laughs> Naruto. <all>. Uh, Sasuke. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't do voice of children. <laughs> I. This is such a tangent, but I love how you know my my girlfriend has been having me watch through a lot of Naruto, right? Um, and I, I just love how Sasuke's voice actor. Yuri Lowenthal uh <laughs> like you know he speaks like with a regular american accent but then like whenever he says naruto's name he's like naruto <laughs> like he just like fully enunciates like right uh it's really funny <laughs> uh anyway <laughs> anyway that was dragon ball fighters yes. uh and man yeah like that <laughs> shenanigans aside that was like that tournament was a blast to watch that was far and away my favorite that i watched altogether wow nice yeah i would i would definitely say
1: yeah man i i i have trouble picking between that and
0: tekken actually
1: that's fair yeah i uh uh injustice 2 would obviously be right up there with it for me right um I think that there was a little bit less excitement for me for Injustice Two because it was on Saturday and like the middle of the day, and that's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I I had a really good time with Dragon Ball Fighters for sure. And
0: finally, in the non-Smash side of things, Street Fighter V Finals. Yes. Uh, happened 7.30 PM Sunday. Yeah, this was my turn to fall asleep because they (laughs) started really late. Yeah, at this point I was so like spaced out that I actually didn't end up like seeing most of the tournament. Right. Like I just wasn't really paying attention even though it was on TV right in front of me. (laughs) But I did get to see the reveals before that. And like speaking, speaking of like hilarious, Fighting game community people, <laughs> uh, like, you know, fighting game developers. Yeah. Uh, Yoshinoro Ono, the producer of Street Fighter, comes up <laughs> and he's like, Blanca has something in his pocket. And he holds up a little figurine of Blanca from Street Fighter. Which he takes with him everywhere and (laughs) constantly posts pictures of on
1: Twitter doing random stuff.
0: Yeah, just like either like Blanca's like posing next to something or he's posing with Blanca like in a picture. The amount of cheese, the amount of like, the amount of full 100% energy that Ono puts into everything (laughs) uh, is just the most adorable thing. He is one of my favorites. He's great. So there's this new character, G. Right. I guess his aesthetic is basically like hobo Abraham Lincoln, (laughs) right? And, and you know, we've known about his design for a while and we've Mm -hmm. known that his reveal is coming up next. So, you know, Sean and I predicted that there would be a G reveal trailer and basically nothing else because, uh, that's, that was sort of par for the course last year too. Right. Like, Ono starts and then a guy in full G cosplay walks up and does (laughs) like, a three minute long speech. You're right. Right. That's very like, I am the president of the world and we must all unite, you know, like very super in character. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out that that cosplayer was the voice actor of G. <laughs> That's uh, funny. and you know, after he, he did that whole shtick, then the trailer for G played, uh, and G, G's actually really cool. I've gotten to play him since then and his trailer was awesome. And then, like the trailer ended, and Ono's on the stage again, but he's wearing an eye patch. <laughs> he's like, "If you notice, there's something on my eye." <laughs> Do you want to see? It? And uh and then he showed a trailer for Sagat, the yes. last remaining season pass character. At uh, Sagat looks like Sagat, and he looks great. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that trailer, it shows G and Sagat on the screen, and then it just says tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> and it both characters came out for Street Fighter V the following day. Which is which, great. yeah, I did not call that at all, and that's <laughs> fucking awesome. I I actually kind of think that like it's weird. Uh they generally like just keep releasing Street Fighter content until the end of the year. And now the season is essentially over. Mm-hmm. There are have been some rumors, some rumblings that, that Capcom is going to give us some free Street Fighter characters. Ah. Specifically uh Crimson Viper mm-hmm. and Oro from Street Fighter 3, sort of this yellow hermit man. <laughs> uh, this, that is a Das Verjibin rumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Das Verjibin, uh, is sometimes right on the money, but sometimes he's not. And just in general, Das Verjibin is very inconsistent and I think should always be taken with a grain of salt. Right. But the fact that there's no DLC characters left and there's this rumor of us getting free characters, I could see like September and December being like, Here's Crimson Viper for free. Here's Oro for free. Right. And then they announced season four after that. Okay. Um. But uh. But I guess we'll see. Uh, we made one more prediction. Uh. We weren't sure where they'd slot it in, but I thought that maybe the League of Legends fighting game would get announced at Evo. Not a not a peep. Not a word about what Radiant <laughs> Entertainment is working on. Yeah. Uh. Although Seth Killian, one of the developers, uh, on the team. That is working on the rumored League of Legends fighting game, uh, was there commentating on Street Fighter. <laughs> uh, there was no news on the, on the League fighting game or anything that Radiant Entertainment has been doing. Yeah. So that was all the non Smash stuff. Let's move on to Smash. Yes. So first on Saturday were the Smash Wii U finals. Um, man, they sucked. <laughs> I mean, let's just get that out of the way right now. Holy shit. Uh,
1: I, as someone who, Obviously prefers Smash Wii U to Smash Melee. If I'm going to like play a Smash game, I can't believe how much I didn't enjoy the Smash Wii U finals. Like, so- oh my god,
0: <laughs> Smash Wii U finals were were really discouraging. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, partially because when I watch tournaments, one of the most exciting things for me is character variety, getting to see like a lot of mm-hmm. uh, characters like. Just do all these things at a very high level. Um, you know, just like executed expertly by these pro players. It's really exciting to see. Um, so the top eight of Smash 4 Ultimate had three Bayonetas, three Diddy Kongs, a Lucina, a Duck Hunt, and at one point, one of the Diddy Kongs switched to Sheik. Right. The Bayonetta players were all so good that the winners finals the Losers' Finals, and the Grand Finals were all Bayonetta Mirrors. Uh, And really,
1: it's not... I mean, obviously, to get to the top eight in a fighting game tournament that's the scale of EVO is an accomplishment no matter what. Yes. You have to be very good to get to that point. The Bayonetta characters were definitely helped by the fact that Bayonetta is the most hilariously broken and overpowered <laughs> fighting game character that I can recall seeing maybe in my entire life, certainly in recent memory. Yeah,
0: I, I see a lot of people disputing that, and... um, uh, <laughs> there's, there's this fucking, like, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia meme right. that goes around. Like, it's just like, you know, the character Dennis... Uh, saying, like, I would dispute that, but I don't know enough about X. Uh, uh, or it's like, that sounds questionable, but I don't know about, enough right. about X to dispute that. And that's how, like, you know, like, when when people are like, no, Bayonetta isn't that broken, just a lot of people don't know how to deal with Bayonetta. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my response is, that's questionable, but I don't know enough <laughs> right. about Bayonetta to dispute that. You know, I don't know enough about her frame sure. data and stuff. I mean, like, for
1: at least for me, like, it's fine to say that, and it's fine to know that on paper, But when you are at the most important Smash 4 tournament of the year in the world, and people are having that much trouble against Bayonetta, including other Bayonetta players, I don't know, man. What more (laughs) evidence do you need? Like With those kind of people, I just want to start that top eight running and point the monitor at them and then just stare at them until it's over. (laughs) And then just see what they have to say. Because that was the worst shit show that I've seen a long time. <laughs> that was
0: really bad. So like one one thing that was really interesting is that like the the crowd hated this too. Yes. Right? Like like any time a bayonetta player won a match against a non bayonetta character, like the crowd just like booed. Yeah, like, Audible you, booing. Yeah, you could just hear audible booing. Uh, to the point that actually one of the players, the guy that plays one of the ditties, Mm -hmm. I think the Diddy Sheik player, oh, I forget his name, but, uh, but basically he lost against Bayonetta and everyone starts booing. He actually like turns around and like waves his hands. Yeah, like, 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 hey guys, come on, don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like basically making them stop. And, uh, that, that actually was probably the most stand up guy like at the tournament. You know, like, He he was cool because like, like I, I thought about it for a while because I, I was kind of frustrated to see so much bayonetta and, and bayonetta just like domin, like making this, this really high level tournament almost boring, you yeah. know, because like of how predictable it kind of got. There's no almost about it. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, I, I was kind of frustrated with seeing all this bayonetta too, but I wish there was a way to boo bayonetta without booing bayonetta's players, mm-hmm. you know, because like. Like, there's nothing wrong with entering a tournament and trying to win, right? You know, like it's it's not their fault that Bayonetta is like that, right? And if and you know they worked hard enough to be the best Bayonetta players in the world, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like they just like rode in on like uh <laughs> like like someone was essentially just like pushing them through the tournament on a shopping cart. Obviously, I'm sure that must have been tough, even with Bayonetta. But there was definitely an
1: extent to which it felt like they had entered the Tour de France with a Ferrari.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I know. I like, I've seen a lot of, a lot of talk about sportsmanship and stuff. And I, I think, I think it's really valid to be frustrated by Bayonetta. I'm frustrated by Bayonetta. Right. But like, uh, you know, I also like kind of look back on that tournament and I like, (laughs) I'm just remembering. The at the grand finals, right, the top two players uh are both Bayonetta players. Right. And at this point people had just been booing at them and their characters <laughs> for the last half hour. Yeah. And they're both so like you could see like the hurt on their faces, you could see how worn out they were by this. Mm-hmm. You can see how fed up they were with, with this. And they started I, I think the bracket got reset or something, and they started the bracket reset match of the grand finals <laughs> by just holding <laughs> Like, basically, just, like, they both, at the same time, charged Bayonetta's gun attack indefinitely. So, Bayonetta, both Bayonettas were both standing on opposite sides of the stage, just pointing their guns at each other, just, and, and, and just, like, posing like that for a full two minutes. Like, the uh, the two top players were just, like, holding down the button on the controller with one hand and just having casual conversation with each other uh, while they did that. Uh, to the point where one of the tournament organizers had to walk up on stage with a laptop and be like, "Hey, it says right here you're not allowed to stall on purpose." Right. Uh, and then they started the match. I don't know the the fact that like real people got to the point where they just like had it with the fan base. Mm-hmm. I I I definitely like kind of saw both perspectives there. You right. Know? And you know, just to be clear. Had I attended Evo,
1: I, Sean, host of A Smashing Theory, um, <laughs> would not have been booing. Right? Yeah, same. I, I would have felt very self-conscious to, yeah. to do something like that. Right. Uh, and for good reason. Like, you know, like you said, it's not their fault that Bayonetta is outrageous. Yeah. Uh, they would like to win Evo, which is understandable. Uh, yeah. That's, a, that's the kind of achievement that not a lot of people get to have in their life. Yeah. And money. <laughs> and, yes, <yeah>, and <laughs> money. Um, but... Like, I, I am someone who is generally very frustrated with the degree to which the competitive Smash community bans things, yeah, right? like mm-hmm. stages and modes and things like that. Um, I would absolutely be in favor of banning a <laughs> ban in the state that Smash Four is in right now. Yeah, like, that was just sad. Almost. Yeah,
0: I like because she's she is single handedly stagnating the meta. You know, yes. if she did not exist. In Smash Bros. 4, like, if she was removed from the equation, then suddenly 15 more characters become viable in the tournament meta.
1: No, exactly.
0: Yeah. um,
1: I mean, there were numerous times during top eight matches where a Bayonetta player would defeat either another Bayonetta player or a non-Bayonetta player... When they had 0% damage, yeah, by doing like this insane combo where you just kind of kick them all the way up to the top
0: of the screen, yeah, and- that
1: happens several times. Like, clearly, that's not very hard to do, yeah.
0: Uh, there, and you know, there were a lot of people, I, I saw a lot of people talking about that specifically, sort of the zero to death combo, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were saying, well, uh, the person being hit like, can actually get out of it if they move the thumbstick in a certain way while they're being comboed. Right. You know, it's not a true zero-to-death combo. Mm -hmm. uh, But it's also... It also seems like something that Bayonetta can sort of, like, bait and manipulate Mm -hmm. so that it's like, oh, you're going to... You're going to turn your joystick in this direction to get out of it. Then I'm going to I'm going to move this combo just a little bit downward. Right. Uh so you so you're actually moving right into where I want you to be and hey, you're dead now. Like just because getting out of it is
1: possible doesn't mean that it isn't prohibitively difficult to do, especially when you have the pressure of, you know, a top 8 tournament uh, yeah. on your shoulders.
0: Yeah. I I think there is kind of a silver lining to all this and I and that silver lining is that between the Smash Bros Ultimate Invitational and the results of the Smash Bros Four top eight at Evo, I think if Bayonetta doesn't have some significant nerfs, by the time the final version of Smash Bros Ultimate releases, we kind of have just full confirmation that Sakurai doesn't give a shit about the competitive community. Right. And I I I don't know, I, I have a feeling that that something that something is going to change about her fundamentally so she's not as not as powerful anymore, but still still good. Yeah. I think there's a way to make her still good and not just dominating the competitive scene the way she does right now. I agree. I hope that that
1: balance is struck. If not, then, as I said to Daniel during the Grand Finals, I hope she gets knighted and nerfed into uselessness. <laughs> I would love option A, but if not, I'll settle for option B.
0: Right. So we predicted for the uh, Smash Wii Finals that there would be a character reveal... Uh, specifically, I predicted that Heihachi would be revealed. (laughs) Uh, that was the perfect time for him to be revealed, and and it just made sense on so many levels. Uh, but if he didn't get revealed, maybe it'd be, like, an ARMS character. Right. Uh, nothing fucking happened during the Wii U finals. We stayed up (laughs) till 1 in the morning central time, like, Uh, 2 in the morning central time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was nothing. And then Melee finals happened the next day. 10.30 10:30 a.m. Pacific time, right? And my prediction for that was that nothing would happen there because <laughs> Nintendo's just historically ignored melee. All their marketing goes into Smash Four and Smash Ultimate stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk about what actually happened in a second. I do want to note that uh, I generally don't watch melee competitive, right? Uh, because I f- I felt like I'd seen it all already, mm-hmm. um, and I was pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable melee top eight was to watch certainly compared to smash four it was fantastic
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like but no i agree uh there was more character variety than i was expecting yeah and uh there was definitely a lot more going on that was interesting than i thought there would be
0: yeah it was really cool to see uh armada's peach sets Mm -hmm. it was really cool to see uh that really good captain falcon player yes um even as much as i've seen it to this point, and and this this I've seen a pretty good deal. Hungry Box's Jigglypuff is, is never there's always some entertainment value to seeing Hungry Box's Jigglypuff. Yes, uh, because it's that's just like an underdog situation every time,
1: mm-hmm. and it's definitely just entertaining to see the frequency with which he is able to KO his opponents by using Jigglypuff's you know rest ability. Yeah, uh, uh, that's always really fun. Yeah, it is really fun.
0: Yes, however. I was pretty sure that we wouldn't see anything in Melee, but, you know, we watched. And then, like, right before Grand Finals, we got just a short video that said Super Smash Bros. Direct, (laughs) August 8th, 2018. Right. The day we're recording this. Yes. And I, yeah, I didn't expect that. It's funny, like, that Nintendo still kind of refuses to have a character reveal at Evo, and I wonder if they just want, like, sort of a more... International setting that's more in their right. that's more in their own terms, but the fact that we even got an announcement the fact that they used that as an opportunity to let us know that there'd be a smash direct later that week uh was great yeah, it's a step um, in
1: the right direction for yeah
0: yeah I, I agree completely uh but you know over overall, I think evo was really entertaining to watch. I think there were some really cool reveals and they may
1: not have been the reveals we were expecting necessarily yeah. all the time, right? But uh, there was still some cool
0: stuff for sure. Yeah, and I think we called a decent amount of that. I, you know, I a lot of what happened ended up being like our predictions. Like they ended up either being our predictions plus something we didn't expect, or our predictions but minus something we expected. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Like we we were a little too ambitious with the Arc System Works uh, guesses, and a little too conservative with our Street Fighter. Uh, guesses and uh, Nintendo, as always, just completely did something outside of our right. expectations, yeah, they just did whatever they wanted, yeah, for Smash Bros. But yes, so then after Evo, a few days later, the Smash Bros. Direct happened. But before we talk about the Smash Bros. Direct, we have a new, maybe temporary, maybe not, segment on our podcast. Uh, that we're calling Warning a Challenger Approaches. Wah,
2: wah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what Warning a Challenger Approaches is, Smash Bros. is an awesome game. And in the recent past, we've been seeing a lot of games that take inspiration from Smash Bros. Right. A lot of games that play like Smash Bros. A lot of games that take some key elements of Smash Bros. and, and put their own spin on it. This is a little segment where, where we spotlight one of those games and, Give you guys copies of them. Yeah, this is a giveaway segment. We have a giveaway for you guys. Ah, we're a big boy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the game we are giving away this week is Rivals of Ether.
1: Yes, a game that we have accidentally talked about on the podcast numerous times.
0: Yeah, uh, Rivals of Ether is uh, is this game on Steam, and it's also available for Xbox One. Should be coming to Switch within like the next year. Right. They wanted to come to Switch at some point. Uh, and it's this really, uh, really awesome Smash like game that takes a lot of inspiration from Melee specifically. It's really a game built from the ground up to be like a competitive Smash style game. Yes. It's, it's got this like actually really nice pixel art style Mm -hmm. and all the characters are furries. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but the, but they're furries with pretty cool designs, actually. Yeah. You Uh, know, it's sort of like the late nineties, early aughts cool furry (laughs) Uh, oh how'd how'd you know my screen name cool furry 98 ah well i've i've known you for a long time (laughs) that's
1: That's, not his screen yeah no that's that's a lie don't try to add him on aol instant messenger yeah well you can't that doesn't exist anymore oh yeah
0: wow yeah god (laughs) uh and rivals uh one of the things i love most about rivals ether is uh it's just got some really dope character movesets that I kinda wish were in regular Smash. Yeah, uh, there's a lot this, of neat stuff. Yeah, there's this character like Orcane that's like this this whale puppy uh <laughs> thing that just has one of the coolest recovery moves ever. Like basically one of its main attacks is it like spits water uh onto the field, and then when you press up B with Orcane while water is on the field, he just materializes where that puddle is. Yeah. Man, there's just some awesome stuff you can do with Orcane. There's a fucking frog that can poison you and then like trap you in like his poison bubbles. My Uh, favorite is a kind of uh, stag beetle character, Crag. Crag!
1: Whose whole mechanic is that he can sort of create extra stage parts. Yeah. Like he can pull out kind of a rock square and then set it down and jump on it or throw it or punch it. Yeah. And kind of shatter it. His up B or you know up special, I guess I should say, is mm-hmm. to just raise an enormous pillar out of the ground that he can then stand on. Yeah, oh, a lot of really rad stuff that he can do to kind of play with you know the uh, the sort of mechanics of Smash Light games in an almost kind of weird meta way.
0: Yeah, uh, that's really fun to deal with. Yeah, so uh, Rivals of Ether is actually revealing a their final character. For the game, it's going to be a guest character. Uh, they have one guest character already, Ori from Ori in the Blind Forest. Right. So there's another guest character. Uh, uh, Dan Fernacci, the developer, has been teasing that it might be the car from Rocket League. <laughs> uh, that might be an enormous troll, right. or the troll might be that it's real. <laughs> uh, uh, but either way, he was super incredibly nice enough. Uh, to give me eight codes yes. for the base game to give out to you guys. So, uh, if Rivals of Ether sounds interesting to you and you'd like to play it on Steam, it's eight Steam codes. Then all you need to do to be eligible for the giveaway is follow us on Twitter. Yes, follow us at a Smashing Theory on Twitter, and uh, you will automatically be entered into the giveaway. If you are already following us, then you are already entered into the giveaway. You don't need to do anything else. Congratulations. <laughs> However, if uh we will also be, you know, making a tweet about the giveaway uh the day this episode goes up, and if you retweet that, uh you'll be given a bonus entry into the giveaway to sort of increase your chances of getting a code. Yes. Uh but that's not necessary. If you follow us, you might get a code anyway. But you can double your chances with the click of a mouse. <laughs> but yeah, that's our thing. Rivals of Ether is cool, and and if you like Smash Bros, there's a very good chance you might like this. So yes. here's a chance to give that game a shot for absolutely free. And if you like it after that point, then maybe you can help Dan out by buying the DLC characters after that, because it's just this is good for the base game. It's not like a super package or anything. Right. Um. But even the base game is is really really great. Yeah. Uh, also, the music is great. Oh, music is fantastic. It's made by Flashy Goodness. Yeah. Who just does this awesome, awesome chiptune music?
1: It's Almost really cool. like like uh, if you're a fan of the soundtrack for like the Mega Man X games for the SNES, you will, you will love the soundtrack. That's it's that's pretty just, good. Like a bunch of extra Mega Man X levels. <laughs> really, really great.
0: Yeah. But yeah, we will we will be announcing winners uh Thursday next week. Right. So uh yeah, just be following us by then and we will send you a tweet if you win. Yeah. So that is uh the challenger has approached <laughs> and they're gone.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we can talk Smash Direct stuff. Right. Now Obviously, the fact that a Smash Direct even existed caught us off guard. So, you know, we didn't make any Smash Direct specific predictions in our last episode because right. we didn't know it existed yet. <laughs> right. Well, uh, so what we're going to do is just, uh, just go through pretty much everything that happened in the direct more or less in chronological order and all the reveals and stuff. Right. So it started with a pretty great trailer. Uh, or really what we should start with what happened right before the direct, Mm -hmm. which was Nintendo accidentally, uh, renamed one of the music tracks on the website, uh, to the name of a Castlevania theme. (laughs) Uh, so basically the cat was kind of out of the bag. Everyone was like, oh, Sam Belmont's in the game. Right. You know, it, it was kind of fortuitous for Nintendo because that leak ended up being not too much of a big deal. If that was the entire direct. Maybe that would put the wind out of their sails a bit. But it was not. We ended up finding out way more than Simon Belmont. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that the trailer that it started with was really great. Like basically it shows Dracula's castle and you see a cloaked figure, clearly Simon, mm-hmm. uh, like start to walk forward it. What I don't think as many people are calling. Was that most of the trailer ended up being Luigi with his Poltergust <laughs> running around, just completely terrified of all these right. Castlevania monsters, which culminates in him like pointing his flashlight up at Death, and then Death just murdering <laughs> Luigi, like he he pulls out his scythe and slashes through Luigi, and Luigi's ghost comes out.
1: <laughs> Why are the Mario Brothers murdered? Right? Yeah, in like Smash Cannon. <laughs>
0: Like, Ridley kills Mario, and now Death from Castlevania has killed Luigi. But then, like, Simon, uh, seeing Luigi die, (laughs) uncloaks and reveals his very cool, very, like, retro design. Yeah,
1: he's very much, like, sort of, like an action hero from the 1980s. Yeah. You know, that kind of aesthetic.
0: Yeah. um,
1: Which I, I appreciate a lot. I think that he looks great.
0: Yeah, and, like, there's so much of an homage to, like, his original... Castlevania 1 and Castlevania 2, like NES appearances. Right. Like he has all like all those sub he has all like the sub weapons from from those games, mm-hmm. and like he he like his normal walking animation is just like <laughs> the really goofy looking walking animation that Simon has in the first game where his arms are just like right. like sort of like moving awkwardly and his legs are sort of like shifting back and forth looks incredibly unnatural, but I love it, <laughs> and you know the the trailer has him doing some cool stuff, then Dracula shows up in the trailer. Shoots some fire at Simon, and then Richter Belmont saves him, and he is revealed as an echo fighter of yes. Simon. Uh, Richter Belmont being from uh, Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night, right? Uh, Simon Belmont being from those original uh, NES games, and yeah, like the trailer just ends with the two of them, <laughs> and then just sort of an epilogue where Luigi's ghost is still just trapped in the mansion. <laughs>
1: just he's, trapped he's in, just yeah. still fucking
0: dead. Yeah, just trapped in the castle. Yeah, no, that was just like a fucking great start. Yes. Then Sakurai goes on to like talk about a bunch of other Castlevania stuff. I guess we should say here that uh, it's awesome that Simon Belmont is in. Uh, we did not call Simon Belmont. No. And we certainly didn't talk, uh, call Richter Belmont. Yeah, we entertained the idea of Simon Belmont. <laughs> yeah, uh, in, in our third party episode, part one of our third party coverage, uh, we talked about Konami and we did talk about Simon Belmont for a good deal, but we ultimately dismissed him. We ultimately <laughs> decided, uh, no, if, he's not going to be in because Bomberman is going to be in. <laughs> right.
1: So, uh, that was a good move.
0: Yeah. You should have kept the faith. Oh, man. Like it, it was just, it was just hard to, to put that faith in because Konami hasn't done anything with Castlevania in a good mm-hmm. half a decade, you know? Like I didn't think uh, Konami would care enough. But what I should have done is not underestimate how much Nintendo cared, because they did the exact same thing with Mega Man for Capcom. Capcom had ignored Mega Man for about half a decade before Nintendo revived him, essentially for Smash Bros., and now Mega Man's getting new games again. You know, part
1: of, I think, uh, I think that part of what had kind of turned me off from the idea of uh, predicting a Castlevania character, and it's interesting because we saw this in the trailer... Like, Castlevania is obviously not, like, a super, like, rated M for Mature franchise generally. Right, know? yeah. But there are elements of horror, and there's some creepy stuff going on, and yeah, people yeah. die, and there's blood. And I had definitely wondered how well that would mesh with Smash's aesthetic. And then they just released this tra- <laughs> this trailer where Luigi is murdered, and there's this giant head that's crying blood, uh, blood and all yeah. this stuff. So they just went for it. They just full on went for it. Yeah. It
0: turns out that it meshes hilariously. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that was great. Yeah. One, uh, one thing that makes me really happy about Simon Belmont, uh, kind of a recurring subject that I end up talking about on the podcast mm-hmm. is that now that Simon Belmont is playable, every main character from Captain N the Game Master is now a playable <laughs> character. In Smash Bros. Yep, every every non-original main character, right? Uh, Captain N's three sidekicks, uh, Pit, known just as Kid Icarus <laughs> in in the TV show, Simon Belmont, and Mega Man—they are all playable in Smash Bros. <laughs> now you could you could make, oh my god, there's a mode we're going to talk about later, sort of like a team mode right. where you could make a Captain N team. That's funny. That's that is true. Uh, <laughs> anyway, then. Uh, Then Sakurai talked more Castlevania stuff. He revealed Dracula's castle as a stage, which we got to see in the trailer, of course. It looks great. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, like it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's the top floor of Dracula's castle. It has the gimmick where like if you like hit the candlesticks (laughs) on the stage, you'll get items Ah. just like in Castlevania. And there's just a bunch of boss cameos. It showed, uh, it showed the Medusa statue. It showed a mummy. It showed the creature. Uh which is Frankenstein. Showed Frankenstein like with a flea man on his shoulder. Like (laughs) flea man's were like these gross like little flea men. Showed Death, obviously. Uh showed Carmilla, which is the name of the big fucking spooky head with the bleeding eye. Right. It showed a werewolf, and then of course it showed Dracula. And it also showed like a silhouette with like five question marks basically. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's like final boss form Dracula or something. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, it looks really intimidating. But uh also, I'd just like to throw out there that
1: somebody is going to say it's not Frankenstein; it's Frankenstein's monster. And to that person, I'd just like to say, loosen up a little bit. <laughs> it's fine. There's actually this great uh, kind of meme or you know image that was going around on the internet for a while, where uh, at the end of uh, at the end of Frankenstein, the novel, right, uh, the creature kind of uh, you know leaves. Uh, the scientist that created him, Frankenstein, and yeah. goes off to, you know, exist in the world on his own. right? And so someone took a picture of the last page of the book and then wrote in, like, and as, fr- and as the creature left, he said, and by the way, it's okay if you call me Frankenstein instead of Frankenstein's monster. I really don't mind. <laughs> <The end. laughs> and that's how I feel about that whole thing. <laughs> As a person who minored in literature in college, I just wanted to give my two cents.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but yeah, really cool lineup of bosses. Uh, then he shows more of the stage and talked about some of like the Castlevania stuff that's going to be in the stage. Uh, not the least of which is 34 Castlevania themed music tracks okay. uh-huh. available via my music. <sighs> uh, some of them are are brand new remixes, and some of them are just. Uh, Copy paste of classic tunes, and incidentally, uh, that was not an exasperated groan from me. It was an excited <laughs> one.
1: Because yeah, the Castlevania soundtrack is rad. Yeah,
0: it's fantastic. It's really and good. and they just showed the whole track list, and there's basically there's music from across the entire Castlevania franchise, right. like you know, like the Game Boy Advance games uh Harmony of Despair which I've heard is kind of garbage but it has a cool soundtrack Harmony of Dissonance No no Harmony of Dissonance is a game but I'm talking about Harmony of Despair the Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Network game Oh no Yeah it's I a didn't para- know that existed Yeah uh well a track from it of at least one track from it minimum is going to be in the Castlevania stage Okay in Smash Bros uh, I listened to the original track from the game, actually, mm. and it is it is a it is a jammer actually. That's good. Yeah, I've heard that the game itself is bad. Okay. Basically, it's gotten mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. It's it's meant to be like sort of like uh like a co op side scrolling action game where like it takes a lot of influence from Portrait of Ruin. Oh, you know what? I do remember. Yeah, this but now. but it's yeah. not as polished. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm actually like vaguely interested in that game if I ever get a. Uh, like an easy access <laughs> way to play it, I might do that. But yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. Harmony of Dissonance,
1: by the way, is one of my favorite Castlevania games. Yeah, it it also was kind of polarizing when it came out. The reviewers yeah. were basically like, "This is too gloomy." <laughs> like when you're in Castlevania and you go too gloomy, you've probably done something wrong, right? But uh, really fun, interesting mechanics, killer soundtrack,
0: so good. There's and, at least one Harmony of Dissonance track uh... in. Uh, in the Castlevania stage from, I'm, from my skimming of that list. I'm really happy about that. I'll be excited to hear that. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, that's fucking awesome. I like, like Sakurai, like even basically just said, like, it's like, our, our music team really liked the Castlevania soundtrack. <laughs> uh, and me too, man. Me too. Yes. Uh, finally on the Castlevania ends of things, he revealed an Alucardus trophy, uh, which I think we did actually mention is like, if, Uh, Simon Belmont's in the game, Alucard would be a Great Assist Trophy. And then he was. Yeah, and he is a Great Assist Trophy, yeah. I was
1: actually wondering during the initial kind of reveal trailer for Simon, if the hood was going to come off and it was going to be Alucard. I thought that would be true for like a second.
0: Oh, that'd be a cool fake-out. That'd be really cool. Uh,
1: But it was Simon, and that's
0: fine. He's cool. Yeah, he's really cool. And like, man, I've been noticing with some of these characters that... Smash 4, right? Mm -hmm. Smash 4 had a lot of Brand new characters come out where, like, there was a lot of thought put into their playstyle. Their playstyles felt really competitive. Right. You know, you had, like, you had Rosalina as, like, this puppet character that was mm-hmm. very technical. You had Shulk's thing going on. Yeah, the best thing. <laughs> uh Duck Hunt has those trap zoning can setups. Man,
1: where... there was a, as we mentioned, there was a Duck Hunt player in the Smash 4 Top Yeah. 8. That was the best part of that whole thing. Yeah. He was so cool. No, he
0: was amazing. Watch his matches and then stop. <laughs> but with some of the Smash Ultimate reveals, I guess especially because we've been getting so many Echo Fighters of mm-hmm. of characters that uh, weren't really built; they were more built to like be a showcase of that character's history than sort of sort of a distinct play style. Right. Right. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, here's Peach again. Oh, hey, uh, okay, here's. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the other Echo Fighters in a bit. Sure. So I was I was kind of wondering if maybe there'd be a new shift of focus there'd be a shift of focus back to I just want to uh portray this character in in an accurate way right. rather than like rather than come up with like a playstyle that would work for them in a competitive environment. Sure. Simon Belmont has a great competitive playstyle going for him already. Yeah, he really uh, does. He's got that he's got a whip that uh that, you know, has the longest range of any normal attack in the game. Yeah. And, and he's, he's basically just like this great mid-range fighter. He's really vulnerable if you get too close to him and are able to get some hits in. But like, if he can keep you away, he can really just, uh, like reflect your attacks, uh, mm-hmm. back at you with his whip and like use his holy water to keep you at a distance and use his cross to make sure you stay away from him. And, uh, he's just this really cool mid-range keep-away character that can, Bust you up with his whip eventually uh, over yeah. time. Um, and this, that's... Is,
1: this is like one of my favorite fighting game play styles. Yeah. I love characters that have like spears or chains or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And kind of their goal is to kind of be at the middle distance when you're in the corner or to be away from you when you're at the middle distance and just kind of being right out of reach. That's really fun. Yeah. And it's cool to see that in Smash.
0: It's very cool, yeah. So yeah, I was, I was happy to see that. I was happy to see more like distinct play styles. But yeah, I guess speaking of Echo Fighters, that was the next like after Alucard. Sakai wrapped up his Castlevania talk and started talking about Echo Fighters. Yes, and we got two. Mm-hmm. The first was Crom. Yes. Now Sean and I haven't talked Fire Emblem yet, really. Right. Uh, but I am going to tell you guys that I would not have predicted Crom. <laughs> I, I was just very sure that Crom was just going to stay as Robin's final smash. You yeah. know, like. I, I was aware that we hadn't seen Robin's final smash since, like the ultimate. We haven't seen the ultimate version of Robin's final smash right. since Ultimate was announced, since Ultimate was revealed. But I, you know, I, I didn't really see it happening. He just, uh, he just blended in with this whole fire emblem, blue haired swordsman aesthetic, and I thought uh, they'd want to avoid that a little bit. It turns they- out. They didn't. He, yeah. he, he got put in specifically because he was highly requested. Mm-hmm. People wanted more blue haired swordsmen from Fire Emblem, specifically Crom. So here he is. Yeah. Uh, and he's, uh, he's an echo fighter of Roy. And, uh, yeah, there, there he is. That's, that, that's fine. I'm not angry about it. Right. Um,
1: he's just in there. Now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm not excited about it, but it, you know, I'm, I'm happy for people that really wanted Krom in. Yeah. Now you guys can play as him and I will continue to not do that. Yeah. Uh and the other <laughs> the other confirmed echo fighter is Dark Samus ah, <laughs> from Metroid Prime. Uh, that
1: was a disappointed groan. Just to, just to clarify.
0: Uh so one thing that's very funny is uh, Dark Samus was initially an assist trophy. Right. In Smash 4. And in our assist trophies episode that we aired very recently, uh, we talked about Dark Samus and the possibility of her being an Echo Fighter. Mm-hmm. And I was waffling back and forth about it. <laughs> I was like, I could actually really see this happening. But at the same time, I don't know. Uh, and what I eventually said was, you know what? Let's shelve this discussion. Let's, uh, let's wait to talk about this until we do our Metroid <laughs> episode. And then I'll come to a decision. Because, you know, I sincerely doubt we're gonna hear any Metroid related stuff, even in relation to Smash, uh, until at least September. So so <laughs> we can do a Metroid episode in August, and that that'll be great. Turns out that you didn't have to make a decision. <laughs> Turns out that I should have made my decision then and there. Uh because what I probably would have said is that Dark Samus We'll be in the game, but not as an Echo Fighter. That's probably what I would have said.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Because that's what I was leaning towards very strongly, but I bit my tongue. So I would have been half right if I had committed to that. But since I didn't commit to anything, I'm going to say that I just flat out got this wrong. Sure. Yeah, Dark Samus is in the game. She's an Echo Fighter. You know, all of her attacks look like darker, uh, more edgy, more shadowy versions of Samus's. Uh, I, I like her aesthetic, though. However, yeah. I think you have an opinion on this that you kind of shared a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but maybe you'd like to give us an abridged reiteration real quick.
1: Uh, Metroid Fusion is my favorite Metroid game. There is a clone of Metroid in that called SAX. There's a clone of Samus in that? Uh, yeah, there's a clone of Samus in that called SAX, who's really creepy and really great, and I love her. And Retro Studios made a game with a shittier Samus clone. After that game came out, and now that's the Echo Fighter. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm
0: ten percent bitter. What What if Dark Samus has an S A X skin? How would you uh, feel then? Great, <laughs> I would feel fantastic.
1: Uh, and you know, actually, I should say that. Um, I think that even though I would rather that Dark Samus weren't in the game as a playable character, I think they did some cool stuff with her. Yeah. I love that during her idle animation, she's just floating. Yes, yeah. That's cool. That is cool. Uh, They definitely did some cool stuff, you know, in as much as you can do cool things with Dark Samus. They did a good job. Yeah.
0: Uh, One quick thing I should jump back about Krom is some people notice that, that he's not just an Echo Fighter of Roy, but he also kind of... People also saw some of Ike in him, and mm-hmm. they saw a little bit of Marth. I haven't looked closely enough; I can't say for sure, sure whether it's just because Ike has a little bit of Roy, and Roy has a little bit of Marth already, right. right? But that's that's really interesting. If Krom is, uh Krom is an echo fighter who's sort of like a hodgepodge. Yeah, sort of a hodgepodge. That is interesting. The Frankenstein's monster of fire, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> you you can uh you can just call him Krom's you can just call him crom instead of Krom's monster it's okay (laughs) right of course (laughs) yeah uh uh but yeah didn't call either of those so we're not doing too great on the predictions uh front so far and uh just buckle up for for more fun confirmations and deconfirmations of shit we predicted uh but anyway uh sakurai sort of uh, close out the Echo Fighters talk by mentioning a cool thing you can do in the menu, uh, which is you can select, you can choose to either have every character, including Echo Fighters, laid out with their own icon on the character select menu, or you can sort of stack Echo Fighters onto the fighters they're based on. Uh, for example, if you select the stackable option, you'll see an icon of Peach, right? But you also see like daisy kind of in the corner of her icon right and then you can press a button to switch to daisy this is really cool i, I actually like this a lot yeah just great way to streamline a great way to remove some clutter if you want to but also the option to just have freaking <laughs> 70 plus characters just in just engulfing your screen is also kind of fun to think of so that's true yeah so great i sakurai always gives you options and i love it i agree uh, then after he shows those off, uh, Sakurai gives us a little tidbit, which is really worth discussing for us. He says that every fighter in the game will be announced before the game launches. Now, I don't think this is a statement that means that there won't be any DLC. Mm-hmm. I'm still really banking on DLC. Sure. But I, d- you know, I do think it means that like in the base game, there won't be any unlockables that they hide from us at launch. Right. Uh, To be a surprise, like Bowser Jr. and Duck Hunt were kind of supposed to be. Right. I think we'll know the entire base roster before the game comes out because Sakurai said so. And he then said this sentence verbatim. We'll have a few more to announce later. So stay tuned. (laughs) Uh, and because we're, uh, we're predictors here. We're, we're analyzing all the Smash Bros news. I, I do wonder if we should take that statement literally, you know? Like, mm-hmm. a few can just mean three. I wonder if we're getting three more fighters. But I feel like it'll be more like that, especially especially if we're counting Echo Fighters. Sure. Right? And <laughs> actually, like, the Echo Fighters that we got are really interesting because Dark Samus specifically. Dark Samus wasn't a Sister Trophy, mm-hmm. but now she's an Echo Fighter. Right. And we talked uh, last time in our cis Trophies episode about some assist trophies that are still missing and the possibility of them being Echo Fighters. Shadow the Hedgehog is still nowhere to be found, and we initially completely dismissed him because we didn't think that there would ever be two playable characters from one third-party franchise. But now... But now we have Simon and Victor Belmont. So the question is, are we are we going to see Sonic and Shadow the Hedgehog? I guess we're just going to have to
1: live and learn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, where where are you
1: on that right now? Uh, sixty percent chance. Sixty percent yeah. chance. I think it's more likely than not that we will see Shadow as an Echo Fighter of Sonic. Now that Echo Fighters are their own thing, now that Sakurai is very kind of cavalierly throwing him into the game, right? Um, I think that there's definitely a better chance that Shadow will show up than that he won't.
0: Do you do you think you'd predict him right now? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, I'm still. Something is still telling me that it might not happen, okay, and it might just be the part of me that doesn't want that to happen <laughs> because, like I've said in previous episodes, like I don't think shadow as an echo fighter is what anyone wants. People either don't want shadow in the game playable at all or people want Shadow to have his own moves like chaos control right. and stuff uh, but you know, like I guess I guess if you're guaranteed to not get the latter, maybe you'll settle for sure. For shadow as an echo fighter because at least you get to be be a uh, the ultimate life form guess you'll get to do that but yeah i'm i'm going to refrain i'm going to refrain from predicting him from now okay so so you got that if shadow shows up you'll
1: you'll have a point over me wow well i guess until we find out one way or the other we'll just be hanging on the edge of tomorrow Ah, brother. Thank you, thank
0: you. (laughs) Hey, good idea! So, so then Sakurai decided to talk about stages. He did. Uh, So first he started with a stage showcase, where he officially revealed a bunch of stages that he hadn't officially revealed before. Right. And a lot of keen eyes had already seen these stages in, like, character videos Mm -hmm. and stuff. But now, like, we, we get to see full showcases of them. So we saw Pokemon Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the Garden of Hope from Pikmin. Right. We saw Brinstar Depths from Metroid. We saw the Summit from Ice Climbers. We saw the Anova Pokemon League. We, uh, we saw one of my favorite stages, <laughs> Magicant. Which is one of my least favorite stages. <laughs> and Sean's least favorite part of that stage, the Flying Man, are still there. Yes. Uh, although one cool thing we'll talk about it in just a sec. Uh, then Sean's favorite, one of Sean's favorite stages, Gamer. Best stage in the history of Smash bar none. Really? You you like it more than Great Cave Offensive? Uh, yeah, I do. Wow! I know. Wow! Uh, I know. I think I like it better than Great Cave Offensive, for sure. (laughs) Well, obviously. Great Cave Offensive is still in my top five. Yeah. (laughs) You crazy man. (laughs) Uh, then they showed off the, the Smash Ultimate version of Final Destination, Mm -hmm. and then... They showed a brand new stage, which again, like he and I have noticed this in other footage before, but now it's out in the open. New Donk City Hall from Mario Odyssey.
1: You're my superstar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: know the words that's on. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, it's great. Like it's, it's kind of a traveling stage. It takes you around various parts of New Donk City. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, like Pauline and her band will show up on the stage. If you make contact with Pauline and her band they'll like they'll sort of like animate suddenly and once you've like collected them all they'll <laughs> they'll stand in front of town square and and sing you're my superstar I guess and that's fucking awesome I love it that's great yeah yeah A plus good stage <laughs> I'm down then afterwards uh Sakurai showed like some classic stages and showed how some stages are getting like uh graphical upgrades. Right. He showed off Fountain of Dreams specifically from Melee, uh and its new look. Very and, pretty. Yeah. And I was uh I remember in our Kirby episode, our Saccharized Babies episode, I was really confident that the Fountain of Dreams uh would return for the next Smash game before we even knew that it was ultimate. Right. And uh yeah, I, I really called that and it looks it looks very shiny. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's very good. Uh, but then he also revealed that, uh, stages returning from Smash 64 are kind of like low poly and like chunky looking, like their N64 versions on purpose. Right. And he showed off Saffron City and Hyrule Castle and Dreamland and Congo Jungle looking that way. Uh, it's cute. It's a good look. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, I think it feels like they look a bit better than their N64 par- counterparts anyway.
1: Yeah, a little bit crisper.
0: Yeah. But then Sakurai said, there are a total of 103 stages in the game and sakurai after revealing that number just says we must be crazy <laughs> i agree <laughs> it almost reminds
1: me of uh there was this kind of fighting game engine called mugen that was really popular uh-huh, in huh kind of aughts yeah uh, and you would see all these videos where people would match up these characters that they'd imported into the game, and it would go to their character select screen, and there'd be, like, a whole area, like, 250 characters or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of that. Like, looking at
0: all those stages, I was like, wow, this is a Mugen amount of stages. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I went ahead, and I, like, paused that screen, and I looked at the stages, and I, like, counted them up. Uh, it shows all the stages in chronological order, too, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, that, that order is just all the stages that have been revealed so far. Right. Right? Um, like, basically, like, uh, it ends, like, it, it basically didn't show any stages on that thing that we don't already know about, and the amount of stages on that thing counted up to 103. Right. So, basically, like, one thing I also noticed is that there's just just six empty slots hmm. on that screen, too. So, basically, I think the true number of stages is going to be more than 103. Okay. Um, but there's already 103 stages, and that's not so but so. It is. Uh Sakurai then mentioned that all stages have battlefield and omega forms, which is something that we've we've already known. But he also said that all stages are eight player smash compatible. Which is crazy. Yeah. That's that's really insane. Yeah. Uh some of those stages are gonna feel really cramped, I think, but whatever options are great. <laughs> Thank you for the option, Sakurai. Yes. Uh then he talked about the stage hazards off option which we have known about uh, since e3 but he got to talk about it in that direct mm-hmm. and so good such a great feature agreed and when he said that stages are listed in chronological order he he said uh, like the fighters uh, uh, as if that w- went without saying almost right uh, but I don't rem I didn't remember learning that so mm-hmm. apparently when uh when you've unlocked all the characters, they'll, they'll appear on the character select screen, like in chronological order instead of in series order. Okay. Right? Like he, like usually you would see like, you know, characters like Rosalina or, or Bowser Jr., like grouped with Mario. Right. Right? And all the Mario characters, but now Bowser, like now Mario will be like, you know, the first character up there and Bowser Jr. will be near the bottom of the character select screen. Right. Uh, but I, I think that's really cool actually. I think mm-hmm. that's a cool way to organize it. And, uh, Probably saves him the headache of like finding ways to make the character select screen like look organized. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that's great. Uh, finally, in regards to stages, uh, I showed out this great feature called Stage Morph.
1: Yes, I loved this.
0: Yeah, Stage Morph is really cool. Basically, like you select two stages and then they will alternate between each other mid battle. Right. So like you'll, you can be fighting on the R Wing and then suddenly like, the it will change shape and you'll be fighting in Skyloft from Zelda. And you can pick any combination of stages that you want. Uh, really show it really shows off that processing power. Oh, yeah, of the switch. Yeah,
1: really cool looking transformation animation. Yes, the stage kind of almost like comes up at light speed and there's this kind of effect going on in the background.
0: Oh, well, the stage doesn't actually come up at light speed. Uh, there's like a little fast forward symbol in the top right to sort of. Indicate that the direct is fast forwarding the footage. Oh, no, 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 right. I, I, yeah. di- sorry,
1: I didn't mean in terms of like the actual, like, oh, right. I, I just, like, it almost looks like in Star Wars when you go into hype. Oh, enjoy, yes, so yes, like yes. that kind of aesthetic. Is yes. Event.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was all the stage stuff. And then he started talking about my music, which is like one of my favorite features. It's great. In Smash Bros. Yeah. I just love all the unique tracks that we get. Me too. First thing he did was sort of, he mentioned a way that, uh, that my music was sort of changing format-wise, you still uh, get to sort of pick the layout of music you want per stage, right? but now the tracks you get to select between are organized not by... Uh, they aren't locked to a single stage, but you can set them by franchise, basically. Right. Basically, like, if you are setting music for the Battle of Elden stage uh, from Zelda, mm-hmm. you can pick any of the Zelda music... That's available to you. Right. Set the frequency for that stage. Uh, and then for Pirate Ship, another Zelda stage, you can set any music from Zelda for that stage in a different formation than you did right. for, for Bridge of Elden. Yes. Uh, not Battle of Elden, Bridge of Elden. So that's really dang cool. And oh as, yeah. Yeah. And as I keep saying, like, just all the choices that Sakurai giving us is so nice. I agree. It's always so nice when he does that. To us, he spoils us. (laughs) We're like babies, and he just gives us that Gerber's, just shoves it down our gullet. (laughs) Babies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's funny, though, when he said how many stages we had, he basically like showed a graph, right? With like how many like stages each Smash game had, you know, up to Smash 4. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then like he just sort of, he just showed like a bar going up the graph for Ultimate. And then like smacking into the top of the graph and then <laughs> bursting out the top. Right. Uh to make a hundred and three. And he did something similar for my music. It's like, here's how many tracks you can select in my music. And then like a number just like counts up from one and like it reaches four hundred something and starts <laughs> to slow down. Uh and then like stops for half a second and then speeds back up <laughs> uh to say over eight hundred tracks are in the game. Oh, man. Nine hundred if you count stuff like menu themes. And, uh, and stuff that doesn't generally play on the stages. Right. Which adds up to over 28 hours of music. Whew. Yeah. I'm going to listen to all 28 hours of music <laughs> when that game comes out and I've unlocked all the music for it.
1: Listening party. We can't sleep. 28 hours straight. Music, music, music. <laughs> We're not actually going to do that. I don't know, Daniel might try. Yeah, I might try. I but... will not be participating. <laughs> yeah, Sean
0: will go to bed. And... Yes. <laughs> he also showed off the sound test mode, uh, where you can organize by series and you can make playlists, which is really cool. And <laughs> then he showed like this little live action clip of like this very fashionable <laughs> uh woman, you know, holding a switch and then turning a smash track on uh while she had her headphones plugged into the switch and then turning the switch's screen off and slipping it into her purse because that is the only thing that a switch will fit in <laughs> <laughs> yeah i actually have
1: um i bought a big bulky bag for work it's like a military grade bag that you can just fit a bunch of stuff in yeah uh your bag and, of holding yeah none of the front facing pockets can fit the switch in it in its entirety <laughs> like for a while i was doing this thing where like i would detach the joy cons and put them in one pocket and then put the screen in another pocket yeah but lately what i've been doing is just throwing it in with my laptop in the big pocket uh, uh and that's been working out better okay so so uh, in a sense i am putting the switch in my purse
0: yeah <laughs> but it's funny um that's a big media player you got there. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But I, I, I like, uh, I know, I still like that feature. It's nice to have. Like, why not? Yeah, no, that's a cool
1: feature. Um, weird anecdote from my childhood. Okay. Yeah, Pokemon gold and silver. You know, there's uh you could listen to radio stations and you can get updates about what's going on in the world of Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. And there was one stage in particular that uh, broadcast out of uh, Goldenrod, Goldenrod City. Is that yeah, Silver? yeah, yeah? yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had this really catchy tune that I liked a lot. And so at one point, I had to like ride my bike to Publix to get something. And I just put my original Game Boy in my pocket and plugged in my headphones and tuned it into that station in Pokemon and just listened to that while I biked to (laughs) Publix.
0: It must have been your Game Boy Color, right? Uh, Yeah, it almost certainly was. Yeah, but that's still still hilarious. That's a a thing I did as an (laughs) uh, 11-year-old. That's the truth. You were ahead of your time. Sakurai then confirmed that there'll be weekly updates of music, something that we already noticed. Yeah, prediction. <laughs> really just observation. <laughs> prediction. <laughs> uh finally throughout that whole segment, I noticed a few tracks that hadn't really been uh confirmed mm-hmm. yet, like when he was scrolling through the sound test and right. uh, and the my music menus and I uh one thing that's cool is that like um, remixes made for Ultimate are marked as a new remix. Mm-hmm. Remixes made for past Smash games are just marked remix. Okay, and uh, and if their original tunes just ripped from the games, they just aren't marked with anything. Right. So, Splatac, a theme from Splatoon, sort of Splatoon's main theme, mm-hmm. is marked as a new remix. Calamari Incantation is not marked with anything in the my music menu, which means it's probably just pulled straight from the game. Right. Uh, Calamari incantation being the song that Callie and Marie sing. Right. Which is funny. We talked about that last episode. (laughs) Uh, the possibility of like getting to play Callie and Marie's theme on the, on the Splatoon stage and then getting the Callie and Marie assist trophy where they sing the song. Uh, we can actually do that now. Yes. We can test our smashing theory. Uh, there's also a track called Ink or Sink. Uh, but the, Whoever was navigating the menus on that screen did not go down far enough to show whether uh, or not IncreSync was a remix or an original, so we're not sure. A remix or a rip. Sure. Um, but then they went to the sound test, and uh, one of the things on the sound test while they're in the Metroid section was a brand new remix for Versus Parasite Queen. Nice. Mixed by Motoi Sakuraba. Who dat? He is a guy that's done a lot of stuff. He's done music for the Tales series. Nice. He's done music for Bayonettaos. Okay. He's done uh, music for like the Mario Tennis games. <laughs> he has done music for uh, Star Ocean games. He's huh. done. He did some of the music for Bravely Default. That's cool. He's done the music for Golden Sun. Oh, nice. And just a bunch of other stuff. Half a Minute Hero. Kid Icarus Uprising. Oh, okay. And remixes for previous Smash Bros. games, including Melee. Nice. So he's just all over the place, and really, like, everything he brings to the table is pretty quality. Right. I didn't really get to hear much of the remix because Sakurai's translator was talking over it in sure. the footage, but there's a Motoi Sakuraba theme. There's a Motoi Sakuraba remix of Versus Parasite Queen. In Smash Bros. Ultimate, and that's cool. Hopefully, we'll hear that in the near future. Yeah, I like
1: the original song
0: versus Parasite
1: Queen, and it turns out that I like a lot of Motoi
0: Sakuraba stuff, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, baby. And that's all the my music stuff. Then, Sakurai did a rule segment. Yes. Um, and, you know, he went over some cool rule stuff. You can uh, basically, like, when you start the game, you just, like, select your rule set. Mm-hmm. To be your default. Uh, I'm not sure if you have to do that every time you start up or just the one time and that stays the default until you tweak it. Right. Um. That wasn't super clear. Uh, stamina mode where, like, you know, you you fight your opponent until they run out of HP instead right. of being knocked off the stage is now a normal battle option. I'm down for that. Uh, when you start a match in Smash... Ah, uh, stage select comes before character select. This is cool. Yeah, basically, it's so that you can cho- sort of choose your character based on the stage that gets picked. And uh, there's also some stage select like order options, like basically, like after each match, you can sort of choose in player order, or uh, the loser can pick mm-hmm. what stage comes next, which sort of like helps give them an advantage. I think that's really neat. Those are some great options. I agree. And I think you know that latter losers pick option will help for competitive play a lot. So for sure, great quality of life upgrades for sure. You just said for sure.
1: I did. Now we both said it. We're so in sync. For (laughs)
2: sure. So in sync.
0: (laughs) Uh, When sudden death activates during a match, which is basically like when um, one or more, when two or more characters are tied. And, uh, and it's sort of a tiebreaker mode where the first person, like the last person standing ends up being the winner after like basically like each player is set at like 300% damage. So basically like one hit can knock him off the stage. So last player standing wins. Right. Um, when sudden death activates, uh, the camera now zooms in on the players until a player is knocked out. And as the camera zooms in, the blast zone shrinks kind of like the, uh, squid sisters assist trophy
1: i love this touch I, I love it i i really i like anything in sudden death that makes it go more quickly and makes turtling a less viable strategy yeah so uh, i'm excited about that change
0: yeah and i just like the intensity that it adds to me too it makes like it really frantic licking
1: the corners of the screen
0: yeah uh they they really uh did a good job aesthetically with it really chaotic and fun like it a lot yes and Finally, in the rules. Oh man, this is so cool! I love this change. Final Smash Meter. Yeah. So now, like, as you're fighting, you uh, you have the option. You can select Final Smash Meter, and as you're fighting, uh, like uh, a meter on top of your character will fill up. When it's full, you can use your Final Smash, and it'll be weaker than the Smash Ball version. So basically, like, it's kind of a version of a Final Smash that is. More balance for a competitive mm-hmm. setting.
1: So, what we're saying here and now to all of you Smash heads that somehow get to decide what is in and what is out for competitive Smash is don't you dare not allow this feature in competitive Smash. <laughs> it's so cool. It is way more balanced than just having the Smash Ball floating around. Yeah. We would get to see uh final smashes regularly in competitive play
0: yeah. this is great and do not ban it
1: please <laughs>
0: yeah like please please don't be the only contemporary competitive fighting game without
1: supers yes not, not incidentally, because they're not in the game, but because you just don't let them be in the game for some <laughs> reason. Please enable this mode. Yeah,
0: I like, you know, I kind of got it when it when the mechanic was smash balls. Right. But like, uh, this, this would be perfect for competitive. Yeah. Although, you, you know what? I kind of see them not allowing it. And not just for an arbitral. Well, the reason's kind of arbitrary, but you want to know why I think you, you want to know what I think their justification will be. Why is that, Daniel? I think that they will state that because the final smash overwrites your B move, Mm. uh, basically like your meter will fill up and basically you lose access to your B move until you use your final smash. Uh, For certain settings, that might be considered a handicap Mm -hmm. where you're like, you know, you have to, if you want to be Mario and you want to kite someone with fireballs, you can't Hmm. until... Uh, until you use Mario Finale. And what if someone jumps over your Mario Finale and punishes you for it? That's what I think the justification will be. I still hope it happens anyway.
1: Yeah. You know what I have to say to that? <laughs> That's what I have to say to that. Yeah. Enable this mode.
0: <laughs> I hope they at least try it out. Like, I yes. really hope there's just like a, a trial period for them with a lot of this stuff. I hope they keep an open mind with a lot of stages now that hazards can be turned off. I, I really hope they just try to make competitive smash as versatile as it can be while still being, uh, balanced and, and fair and, and without like the random elements that they, that they don't like. You know. I, like, I agree. Yeah. Like I, I get, I get the justification for, for not wanting random elements like items and stuff. Sure. I do get that um but Sakurai has given you the tools they've given you the uh they've they've given you the opportunity to have a lot of smashes previously non-competitive features in a competitive way mm-hmm. and i just uh obviously i have no say in in whether or not uh we see that on a on a more competitive scale, but I'd, I'd really, I'd really love if some, if the scene was just open-minded about this, at least at the beginning, just try it out, see how it, uh, try it out, see how it feels before you say no. I agree. Anyway, then Sakurai moved on to battle modes. Yes. Oh man, the battle modes are so cool. So there's a thing called squad strike. (laughs) Uh, you pick five characters, your opponent picks five characters, and then you have a match where whenever like, say you pick, like, Mario, Link, Luigi, uh, you lose your life, you lose life as Mario, and then Link jumps in, and you fight as Link, right? right? First person to eliminate all of the opponent's characters
1: wins. It almost reminds me of King of Fighters, how, like, you pick three characters, yeah. you defeat one, the next one
0: jumps in, kind right. of the same deal. Yeah, but it seems like it's all one match, it's not like, it's not like rounds change when right, someone gets right. knocked out. Uh, but yeah, you can do that in a five versus five setting or three versus three setting. And Sakurai even encourages like passing the controller between like a real live team of five. If you want to do that. This mode's really cool. I already mentioned that if you, if you do a three character squad strike, you can make yourself a captain and <laughs> team. So that's probably the first thing I'm going to do in that mode. That's fair. Uh, then Sakurai announced a tourney mode. Uh, like it basically you put in your settings and it generates a tournament bracket for you. Uh, you can have up to 32 players. Uh, neat. I just see the competitive, (laughs) I just see the competitive community using Smash GG anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, it's, it's neat for parties and stuff. Yeah. The thing I really like about tourney mode is that on the tourney mode screen, Mario is standing there with like his head down. And then when you select to start the tourney mode, Mario just like looks up at you like, (laughs) uh, like very intensely. Yes. Uh, and it's always really funny when they make Mario like try to look badass.
1: It's like Angry Kirby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Another awesome new battle mode is Smashdown. Now, uh, Smashdown is basically like everyone selects a character and does a match, and then another match starts, and none of the characters that were picked for the previous match or any matches in Smashdown before that can be picked for the next match. So basically, like you pick Mario for match one, and no one else can pick Mario for the rest of that Smashdown set. Right. Uh, so basically, like, it encourages, uh, you learning a lot of characters and being really versatile. And it also, like, encourages, like, sort of tricky tactics, like picking your opponent's favorite character. <laughs> so they are then prohibited from selecting that character. Really cool uh, stuff. Yeah, man. I'm so excited for Smashdown. Uh, I, like, I remember, like, when we would play, like, Melee and Brawl and Four, and we would basically like, <laughs> we'd basically house rule stuff similar to Smashdown. It's like, it's like, right. okay, let's play through every character in the roster. Uh, like, yeah, we, we basically did what Smashdown now enforces, like, as mm-hmm. an in-game mode. I love it. I love it so much. It's really cool. You talked about training mode. Uh, training mode has, a, now has its own, like, training mode specific stage, uh, that has, like, basically, like, a graph in the back that sort of, like, shows you height differences and stuff. And it's so cool. Yeah, this it, is
1: really neat. This yeah, feature,
0: I like it a lot. Yeah, like basically, like it shows trajectories, like and stuff. Like basically you'll, you hit your opponent and then you just see three lines come out of the opponent. Like one that like one line that sort of shows its estimated trajectory with zero damage, one that shows its estimated trajectory with a hundred damage and. Like, it gives you a lot of information. Yes. Uh, that's really useful. It's so cool. I'm sure that competitive
1: players will appreciate that feature. Yes. Uh, and will not ban it.
0: <laughs> Why would they? <I? laughs> you're not allowed to train. <laughs> Finally, Sakurai showed off classic mode, and it looks classic. Yeah. Uh, it looks great. Uh, Smash 4 had a really weird classic mode where you're sort of like traveling a little miniature around on a board and. Uh huh. And like, you get prizes and stuff. I kind of like this more simpler take on classic mode. Me too. Uh, each, each character has its own set of opponents that it faces. That's just like locked in for each character. Like, like Mario will always fight Luigi first, for example. Right. Uh, that's an example. I don't know if Mario fights Luigi first in classic mode, but sure, you know, sure. uh, that's the general gist of it. And, uh, I think that's neat. I think that sort of encourages you to like play through classic mode with a lot of Characters and be like, okay. I wonder what, I wonder what set of characters pit fights and how are they thematic? Like, it showed an example of like, there's one point where Roy in his classic mode has to fight a bunch of other <laughs> Fire Emblem characters. That was so cool. like, yeah. So I'm looking forward to stuff like that. A lot of cool thematic stuff. Me too. Then. Yeah. <laughs> uh by the way, man this was this was such a longer direct than I was expecting. It ended up being 27 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, I loved every minute of it, but man that was that was impressive. Wasn't expecting that much info. Me neither. So he showed some new items. Uh the banana gun. <laughs> that looks like a banana, but then it shoots out like a really powerful bullet that's basically like just like the the meat of the banana, you know, the <laughs> banana meat. Uh, <laughs> that's what it's called, right? Ring, 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 (laughs) ring, ring. Banana meat. (laughs) Uh, anyway, it fires a banana bullet, uh, and then, and then you're just holding a banana peel that you can throw (laughs) on the ground. Great, great thing. Uh, the killing edge from Fire Emblem. Yes. Uh, basically like you, uh, it becomes more, a more powerful weapon while it's glowing. Um, and it's not always glowing, obviously. There's the bomber from Kirby. It's like a little, it's like a little, bomb with legs that walks around and you pick it up and then there's a giant explosion that hurts everyone but you right there's the death scythe from castlevania and it just kills opponents <laughs> with high percentiles of damage just straight up obliterates them yep it's like, like they yeah. don't even go flying yeah they just vanish yeah they just like dissipate in the smoke because yeah. they're dead uh for real yeah there's... they never come back uh there's the staff. I don't know if it's from a specific game, but I think it might be from Kid Icarus Uprising.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh basically like the power of the staff increases when you're farther from the target.
1: Right. It kinda of fires out this beam
0: thing. And, yeah, and and the beam like sort of accumulates more as the farther it shoots out. Uh so that's neat. That's a yeah. neat little thing. There's the Ramblin' evil mushroom. Yeah. Uh it's an enemy in Earthbound and now it's an item. Basically, you point it at an opponent, and it reverses their controls. Yes. Uh, Very annoying. They get the little mushroom stuck on their head, just
1: like in Earthbound. Yeah. Great way to make money in Earthbound, by the way. Ha! get deliberately infected with a random evil, rambling evil mushroom, then go to the hospital, and there's a guy who's like, I'll buy that mushroom off your head. Huh! And, uh, yep,
0: get some money. Oh, fun fact! Yeah. And finally, the Rage Blaster. I don't know what game this is from. I wasn't able to get information on what game this is from because we're recording on the day that the Direct came out. <laughs> it might just be an original Smash item. Right. Uh, but basically, like, the higher d- the higher the damage percentile is of the character that's holding it, the more damage the Rage Blaster does. Right. So if you uh, if you have taken no damage and you're holding the Rage Blaster, it does nothing. But if you're at, like, 100-plus percentile, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done to me rage blaster i killed you (laughs) i am a
1: talking blaster that's all
0: all right cool yep (laughs) then we got to see some more pokeball pokemon yeah first up was the alolan executor sorry (laughs) to that one guy who predicted that he'd be playable on our podcast
1: Well, you know, you were half right. (laughs) Congratulations.
0: And it's great. Basically, like, he just stands there. His neck is fucking 10 feet high. And basically, like, his neck serves as a wall that people can, like, (laughs) jump off of and, and blocks projectiles coming from the other side of it. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Abra, who is in the E3 build of Smash Bros. Ultimate, you know, this is the first time he's really been, like, shown, like, to the layman. But yeah, Abra's really cool. Grabs the opponent, teleports him around. Solgaleo does their signature move. Lunala does their signature move. We've talked about them on the Pokemon episode because they're already revealed by then. Mimikyu from Gen 7 is just the coolest goddamn Pokeball Pokemon. It's great. Like just reaches like its claw forward from underneath its Pikachu costume and, and just stuffs the opponent like under the costume and, uh, just like beats the shit out of him. Yeah. It. <laughs> And then like deflates when it's done. Yeah. Oh, Mimikyu is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Like we we did call that uh in our Pokemon episode. We yes. said Mimikyu would be a Pokeball Pokemon and would not be playable. Nailed it. Ding. Uh Puku Muku, uh sort of this little pincushion Pokemon that uh just like punishes you if you hit it, kind of like a little baby Wobbuffet, I guess. Right. Regular Vulpix and Alolan Vulpix are both in the game. Um We we've seen a lowland Vulpix in the E3 build, but now regular Vulpix is there. A lowland Vulpix shoots out a little, uh, like ice shot that freezes you, right? And Vulpix shoots forth a little fire shot that like burns you. Yeah. Um. So cool. Uh. Marshadow, one of the sort of event legendaries from Sun and Moon, mm-hmm. like this little like candlestick boy, uh, <laughs> who wants to fight, and then he hits you real hard. He's got he's got some rough stuff going on. He's a rough little candle uh, stuff, rough candle stuff. That's who. That's what he. Is. That's
1: that just sounds like the name of like a bratty child character in a comic from the nineteen fifties. I'm rough candle stuff. What are you doing over there, Mister?
0: <laughs> oh no, he's he's more like the like the shitty like little bully character. Like hey, I'm rough oh, candle yeah, yeah. stuff. Get me your lunch money, <laughs> short stuff.
1: Hey, you can't kiss Cassie in, but under the bleachers. That's what I do. Get out of here. <laughs>
0: rough candle stuff. <laughs> Copyright a smashing theory. <laughs> do not do, steal. Do not steal rough candle stuff. <laughs> Finally, Finally, Ditto. Yeah. Now Ditto is fucking cool. He's great. Uh, and one of the coolest things about Ditto was we talked about, we talked in the Pokemon episode about how Ditto was found in the code for Melee but ultimately not included because the intent was Ditto to be able to turn into an AI version of the character that summoned him. Right. And then like, you know, fight on their side. Ditto is now an ultimate and can fulfill that function because Smash <laughs> finally has the processing power to do something like that.
1: Yay, Smash!
0: And it's fucking awesome.
1: It is. Yeah,
0: But yeah, then, finally, we got to see Assist Trophies. Uh, first one was Zero from Mega Man X, who He looks great. He looks fucking great. It's funny, last, uh, in our Assist Trophies episode, we were talking about, like, a Leica Man is a weird Assist Trophy for Mega Man to have, <laughs> and they're, a more important character should be a should be a Mega Man Assist Trophy. And we settled on Roll as the best option, or maybe right. Proto Man. Uh, Zero didn't even fucking occur to us because we're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there he is, and he looks fucking great. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's being voiced by Johnny Young Bosch and everything. <laughs> so, awesome. A+. plus. Uh, Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog, who we have seen in the E3 build. Mm-hmm. He looks great. He does. Uh, Crystal from Star Fox, who we've seen in the E3 build. Uh... She looks... Like Crystal. She looks like Crystal. <laughs> uh, The Claptrap from Donkey Kong Country, just a little baby crocodile, runs up and, and clamps on you. Uh, Really cute. Now, I would
1: just like to note that I saw Claptrap, and a very small part of me thought, hmm, maybe this does mean King K. Rool. <laughs> nah, never mind. <laughs> uh, uh, that'll
0: be important later. <laughs> oh, will it? Uh, Cap'n from Animal Crossing, which is one of my new favorite assist trophies. He's
1: awesome!
0: He, he, he just drives through the stage <laughs> in his bus, and if he hits the character, if he hits someone with the bus... It doesn't like knock them off the stage. Right. It traps them inside the bus and you just see them like in the ba- like in the passenger seat of the bus looking really pissed yes. off as the bus just continues to drive off the stage and just carries them off and destroys
1: them. They like demoed this with Mario and then did just kind of a close up shot of him just, <laughs> just looking like, like, Oh no,
0: I really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was it was great. Oh, so
0: good. One of my new favorites. Yeah. Chef Kawasaki from Kirby, which uh, is like a little chef man who just does Kirby's Chef Super from previous Smash games and also Kirby games. Good stuff. Gray Fox from Metal Gear. It's funny, we had a similar discussion in the Assist Trophies episode <laughs> about how Metal Gear should have a better Assist Trophy than Metal Fox, uh, than Gray Fox. Right. And here he is. Yeah, we we were like, "Ooh, revolver ocelot would be <laughs> really good." Uh, but nah, it's just Gray Fox again. Here he is. Yep. Uh, there could be more than one assist trophy for mm-hmm. Metal Gear, but so far it's just Gray Fox. Uh Nikki from Swap Note, uh, like basically just like a like a girl with glasses and a green dress draws. Stuff that appears on the screen like a bullet bill, and then basically, like, it materializes <laughs> on the stage and attacks opponents and stuff. Very cute assist trophy. Very cool callback.
1: I'm glad that she's in there, because I was a little sad when Swap Note got st- shut down. Not yeah. because I used it ever, but just because I thought that Nikki was a really cute addition to that mode. Nikki
0: was adorable. Yeah, yeah. It was like
1: a good mascot. And yeah. so it's cool that just every now and again she pops up somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Um. I agree. Yeah. And then they revealed Shovel Knight as an assist trophy. They did. It's funny that this is the best prediction we've made so far. (laughs) Like, we were, in one of our third-party episodes, we were talking about the possibility of Shovel Knight as playable, how highly he was requested, how he was a popular choice on the Smash ballot, and how he'd be, like, uh, he he was the most likely, like, indie rep that they could have as a playable Mm -hmm. character. And I said, I basically said, I think Nintendo wants to, like, throw indies a bone. They want to show their right. support of indies, but I don't think they're quite ready to have a playable indie character as a representative. So what I think, my prediction, is that Shovel Knight is going to be an assist trophy. And good job. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, and you know, like, Yacht Club Games made these adorable tweets about how excited they were that it <laughs> happened. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's neat. I think this is exactly the space for Shovel Knight to be within Smash Bros, I I agree. He's gonna yeah. be in
1: there. Assist trophy's a good spot.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know he he does some cool stuff. Like he he can he can dig holes for, make opponents like stuck like in holes basically. Right. Uh, he can like dig up treasure and stuff. Cool. That's that's cool. Yeah. And I'm and I'm happy for this, like an indie developer that never would have imagined this happening. True. But here's one that Sean's much more happy about. The moon from Majora's Mask just crashes into the fucking stage and obliterates
1: everything. The four giants of Termin aren't here to save you this time. He just (laughs) rams right into you and the world ends.
0: Yeah. And that's where the montage of Assist Trophy stopped. Uh, But while Sakurai was talking, Ashley from Moriware was shown uh, as an Assist Trophy on the stage while uh, he was talking about Assist Trophies in general. Right. She didn't get a spotlight, but she was just quietly confirmed as an Assist Trophy, which does deconfirm her as a playable character, as yeah. far as we know. This is, like, another sigh of relief for me, uh, <laughs> because in our Mario spinoffs episode... Uh, we were looking at three characters. We were looking at King K. Rool, Dixie Kong, and Ashley. Right. And I was like, you know, I could see any of these characters being playable, but I'm not going to predict any of them. <laughs> and really, by not, uh, and, and then like, when I revisited Ashley in the assist trophies character, I got this close to requesting her, but mm-hmm. I'm like, something in my gut tells me she's not in, so I'm not going to request, uh, I'm not going to predict her. And man, that ended up being the right call. Yeah. Cause she's in, uh, she's in the assist trophy now. Looking at those three characters, I don't have a perfect record, and we'll talk about that very soon. (laughs) Uh, But finally, Sakura's like, we have one more surprise for you. And then he showed us... Rathalos from Monster Hunter. Yeah! Uh, Rathalos appears as a boss, and Rathalos appears to have its own unique stage. Yes, I immediately
1: hopped onto the Monster Hunter subreddit uh, when I was on the train to work after this direct. Yeah, And they have identified it as uh, quite possibly being uh, a stage based on the ancestral step from Monster Hunter 4
0: nice yeah cool so i'm excited about that um so yeah Rivalos is a boss but it is also an assist trophy uh it can be summoned as an assist trophy and it just seems like a big pain to fight yeah uh really cool so sean and i have both predicted uh the monster hunter as a playable character
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh in smash bros ultimate either uh in the base game or as dlc right uh, how do you feel about that prediction now sean
1: you know it's funny cuz you and I of course were having a discussion of this by text right. uh, after this direct was over and we came away from this with very different reactions as to what this meant. Yes. Um I was in the camp of I think this might deconfirm Monster Hunter as a character. Yeah. And my reasoning for that is that it just felt really odd to me that they would debut the stage, they would debut the uh, the Rathalos as a boss right. and an assist trophy and then they wouldn't say by the way, Monster Hunter is a character in this game as well. Right, Uh, That was so odd to me that it made me think maybe they were just doing this to show, you know, this is all the cards we have on the table for Monster Hunter. Right. You know, and just to be clear, Monster Hunter is not going to be a character in this game. Right. Um, And I'm... I'm I'm still leaning toward that as much as I want Monster Hunter to be in the game. Right. That just feels like such a strange move to me that it's hard for me to
0: believe. Yeah, and I really see where you're coming from there, but uh but I'm actually basically on the opposite side of <laughs> right. this. Uh for for a good handful of reasons. One, uh even if this confirms uh, even if this doesn't up deconfirming Monster Hunter in the base roster, I think it basically guarantees that the Monster Hunter will at least be DLC, yes. right? That like that Sakurai will turn around and be like, after we included Rathalos, we saw so much support for Monster Hunter as a playable character, right? So here he is, th- five months late. Like you know, like <laughs> I can see that happening. But uh-huh. also, I have a lot of confidence for Monster Hunter potentially being in the base game, uh, because uh, Sakurai does like to sort of He likes to sort of tease. He likes to set something up and then like, he likes to tease something up and then like, uh, and then follow through. I I made a little golf swinging motion. He did. He likes to, yeah, he likes to do that later. Like, uh, this is a much less extreme version of, of this. But for example, for Smash 4, he showed a Metroid stage during one, during one direct and, On the Metroid stage, you could see sort of like Ridley's shadow on it. Right. And then in a different presentation, he showed off Ridley as a boss on that stage, even though the stage had already been shown, even Mm -hmm. though the gimmicks of the stage had already been shown. And the fact that, yes, we saw the stage, but he didn't feature the stage itself at all.
2: Hmm.
0: Meaning we need to see more of that stage. That stage is going to be revisited later. I see. What is a good reason to revisit that stage? What if you're showing a character? representing that stage okay. on the entire thing mm-hmm. because that camera is zoomed in we see a very small portion of that stage right. there's more to that stage than what we're seeing okay um i think this is basically just like a, a little taste it's like yeah you like this monster Hunter stuff stay tuned <laughs> buddy <laughs> um i i can i definitely see where
1: you're coming from and to be yeah. clear my my thinking in this regard is not a Heihachi
0: situation, right? Right. Like it's
1: not like wishful thinking because I don't want Monster Hunter to be in the game. Right. Obviously, I want Monster Hunter to oh, be in yeah. the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like um, I'd, I'd
0: say I want Monster Hunter to be in the game less than you
1: do. Almost certainly. I guess just my, my responses to your response would be that, first of all this just doesn't feel like a tease to me. You know, it's not Mm. like he's hinting at something. He's just saying like, here's a monster hunter stage and a monster. Yeah. You know, it feels very kind of upfront. If it is a tease, then i mean it's like hooking a t-bone steak to your line to reel in a goldfish you know like <laughs> big tease yeah um almost too big maybe and uh, i guess that's kind of where i am right now yeah i do certainly think that uh you know the the dlc option is mm. uh is much more likely right uh than maybe base game inclusion uh but uh i i hope that i am wrong and that you're correct
0: <laughs> yeah I like it's, it also feels like a thing. Like maybe, maybe like there's some marketing obligation, right? Sure. Maybe, maybe like they showed off Simon and Trevor as new playable characters. Right. And Konami doesn't want to share a character reveal spotlight with a different third party. Mm-hmm. Right. So like they have to wait to show off like their Capcom character, right? Right. Uh, who could be Monster Hunter. I, f- I feel like, yeah, I just, Sakurai does like to trickle out info sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's, like, it doesn't always come with, like, a full wink and a nod, but, like, sometimes he just, like, releases information, like, in stages. And, uh, and I think this is just the first stage of a Monster Hunter reveal. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm confident in, in my prediction still. How about you? Are you, uh, are you gonna pluck Monster Hunter off of your prediction list, or?
1: Um, I'm not, because A, I really want Monster Hunter to be in the game, nice. and B, I would be kicking myself if I took <laughs> Monster Hunter off and then it turned out that I was wrong. Right. So I'm going to keep Monster Hunter on, but my faith has been shaken.
0: I see. <laughs> in any case, that was all the Assist Trophy stuff. Right. So then uh, then they shut off the main menu, right? Right. <laughs> Uh, very dramatically.
1: I love how comprehensive all of this is. (laughs) We've done, we've done rules. We've done, I mean, mean the direct. Yeah. Also, your outline. Oh, thank you. (laughs) But but just (laughs) he, I don't know
0: what that laugh was. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wide of (laughs) y'all. Oh, we're tired. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah, the, the Smash menu, like, you know, it has the Smash icon. Like, Sakurai went into that icon, it has options for Smash, Squad Strike, Tourney, Special Smash, and, like, little little Joy-Con icons that mm-hmm. probably allow you to, like, change up your controllers. The games and more icon, which we did not get to go into, so I bet there's some more modes sure, in sure. there we haven't seen yet. The vault, uh, so it's probably pretty safe to say they'll still be unlocking trophies and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, the online option, mm-hmm. uh, pretty self-explanatory, I think. And a green icon that was blurred out <laughs> in a really funny way. Um, so this is like a mystery button, a mystery mode. Uh, sleuths have already kind of like taken the image and like derezzed it and derezzed like taken, uh, taken the button from various languages of the directs, <laughs> like various versions of the direct. They took the Japanese version and derezzed that. And basically people have concluded. That the button says spirits hmm. on it. And you know, it's really funny. We saw Luigi die at the <laughs> beginning of this direct. Right. And we saw Mario die in a direct before that. So I wonder if spirits is like literally like involving like, uh, the ghosts of playable fighters somehow. And it maybe this is just like, this is also like a weird version of the story mode that will, that will involve you like collecting spirits of playable fighters in order to unlock them in the game proper. That would be
1: such a weird angle for them to pursue, but then again, this is the dev team that brought us the subspace emissary. Yeah. So who
0: knows? It's so Sakurai. Yeah. It feels so Sakurai. Uh so that's that's what I'm thinking it is right now. I'm thinking it's it's like a story mode you can go through to quickly unlock playable characters right. because Sakurai did say that would be streamlined mm-hmm. and it just involves ghosts somehow and spirits. That
1: that would be really wild if, like, the death of the Mario Brothers, you know, in their in various trailers, was actually like foreshadowing. Yeah, right. You know, like, you've it's... seen some people die. Now look at this mode. <laughs> it's Smash Bros Ultimate
0: canon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man! Finally, uh, they showed like a dashboard, like the sort of cool sidebar. On the right side of the menu you can activate by pressing ZR. Right. Uh, you know, and it has some pretty standard, like it shows like a settings button. It shows like sort of a syncing your switch button. Uh, it shows like a manual button. And there's another button that is also blurred out. And <laughs> we haven't really figured out what that is yet. Right. Um, it might just be a shortcut to spirit mode or something. Sure. Who knows? But yeah, mysteries abound. Uh, actually, do you have any thoughts about what weird blurry button is? I Yeah, not Beyond Spirits mode. Like, I'm wondering about the dashboard button specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if, like, one cool thing that would actually be neat is if there's just, like, sort of, like, a little, like, encyclopedia button ah. uh, that just, like, you click it and it just shows you, like, all this, like, Smash history information that you gradually, like, unlock through the game. That would be neat. I um, would like that. Yeah. It's just sort of, like, yeah, like, almost like a catalog of all the games that Nintendo has made. Like as you unlock characters and items and stuff that have to do with those games. Right. I'd love that. Yeah, me too. Then after Sakurai was done showing us the menu, he said, That's all for today. (laughs) Please stay tuned for more information. Thank you so much for watching. But as he was saying it, the screen started shaking and the screen went dark. And you could hear like a
1: Yeah. You know, like a like a stomp or something in the background. Yeah,
0: and then uh and then a trailer started that showed a bunch of like original Smash characters and their iconic villains, you know, like it it showed like Mario fighting Bowser, then it showed Link fighting, Link and Zelda fighting Ganondorf, then it showed like Samus fighting Ridley, you know, like stuff like that. Kirby fighting like Meta Knight, Mm -hmm. right? And then like suddenly like it shows like a TV screen like turning off. And then it shows Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong just sleeping (laughs) in, in their hut.
1: And so at this point, Daniel and I are just muttering to each other, like, Oh my god, it's actually King K. Rule. Yeah. Wow, it's fucking King K. Rule. I can't believe it.
0: And and then like a shape like stomps near their hut, like uh cloaked in shadow, clearly in the shape of King K. Rule, just stomps in front of their hut and stands <laughs> there, and Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong looking out the is like, oh no, it's fucking K. Rule. <laughs> and then like and then King Harold, like, sits there for a second, like, the shape sits right. there for a second, and then suddenly a cloak is removed, and King DDD <laughs> is wearing, like, a cape <laughs> and a crocodile helmet, uh, <laughs> and just stands there triumphantly, and then just fucking, like, dances around. And, like, busts up. Yeah, like, busts, yeah, he, he just fucking cracks up, like, this hilarious prank that he's played on them. I and- saw um
1: a couple people on the internet pointing out that since King Ddd D. 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 is voiced by Sakurai, that was almost like Sakurai directly <laughs> trolling us. And
0: I really like that observation. I think that's good. That's actually really funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it actually would have just been hilarious if, like... If the trailer just ended up revealing a different playable character entirely, <laughs> or if that's just how the fucking direct ended... Right, right, yeah. Uh uh, that would that might have been too much for some people, I think. That's true. But uh thankfully, uh for K Rule fans, uh King K Rule then SWATS uh DDD out of the way, and uh then then we see a King K Rule trailer. King yes. K Rule uh, is revealed for Smash Bros. And man, I, I did say that I could see King K. Rule coming out. There's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons that King K. Rule could be playable sure. uh, and that I wasn't going to officially predict him, but in a way, I wouldn't be surprised if he was playable. Uh, he was revealed and I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. Like, I actually was like, Oh wow, this actually happened. Like, it felt <laughs> so weird. Like, you know, like a weird chunk. Of first party character reveals so far have been very Western targeted, Mm -hmm. right? Ridley was a bone that Sakurai uh, deliberately threw to fans in America, you know, and maybe Europe too, right? Uh, King K. Rule is the same thing. Japan Mm -hmm. doesn't care about King K. Rule. Japan probably (laughs) forgot he exists, Uh, but here he is, like clearly because he was like very highly requested. By fans in the West. And as someone who doesn't care
1: about King K. Rool that much, I have to say, he looks great. He does look... Uh, I mean, they really did him up.
0: No, he, he looks pretty fun. Like, he's got, like, that propeller as his upbeat. Uh-huh. Uh, he whips out the pirate cannon Uh, for, yeah. I have to assume, his side sidebeat. Yeah, that's great. He's got, like, a cool, like... Uh, he's got, like, a cool-looking, like, counterattack where he sort of, like, slaps his belly and... <laughs> his final smash is absurd. His final smash is just him blowing up Donkey Kong Island. (laughs) (laughs) the whole thing is actually a love letter to dk64
1: which i thought was kind of cool that is cool like he's in kind of the final boss base that exists in that game oh nice just blasting dk island with cannons nice
0: uh and so i uh that that was a neat little homage yeah i I did notice some neat little donkey Kong 64 references on top of that like he has like the boxing gloves that he has in 64 right oh yeah yeah uh-huh uh Uh, but yeah no really well implemented i'm really interested to see like uh, more detail on what his deal is like as <laughs> right. a fighter. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that was that was a very very impressive like closer in terms of reveals. <laughs> so here we are at the end of the direct and like in terms of playable characters, we didn't predict any of them. Yeah. Like we we didn't we didn't predict Simon, we sure as fuck did not predict Richter. We didn't predict Krom. We didn't predict Dark Samus. Right. We got close, but we fucking didn't, because I'm, I'm a coward, <laughs> and we did not predict King K rule at all. And uh, man, that's that's just five <laughs> wrong predictions in a row. It's never felt so right to be so wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, the direct was peppered with a lot of things we got right. We got some Pokeball guesses right. Uh, we got a really precise Assist Trophy prediction right. Right. And you know, I think we got some like. Some general predictions about sort of the state of the game and what it's going to be like, like I think I think we did call some stuff there too, yeah, uh, but in terms of characters, we definitely struck out this episode. However, it does make me feel confident about some of the stuff we have predicted, at least in my case, like the monster hunter, I feel like that's inevitable now, cool, I'm looking forward to that. I also think like since we're probably getting at least six new stage reveals, I think a lot of those will be tied to new character reveals as well mm-hmm. You know that sort of gives me faith in at least like six new non echo fighters, and maybe that's maybe that's a bit uh that's a bit ambitious, but we'll see, yeah, but let's read some listener mail, yeah, a little less than usual because of the short turnaround time for this episode, and this episode is really long already, yes, John W emails us and says, "Hey, Dan and Sean, Hi, John W." I just discovered this podcast last week, and I've wow. been, been binge-listening to all of the episodes. We're being binged! Yeah! Ah. And now that I'm caught up, I figured I'd try writing in and getting your thoughts on something we still don't know a lot about the game. The single-player adventure mode. Hmm. Here's my theory. Since Sakurai seems to be making this the ultimate fan service game, i.e. everyone is here, Ridley, Ganon with a sword, etc., my guess is that this is going to extend to the single-player content as well. Ah. Rather than just doing either a Melee-style series of themed levels or a Brawl-style subspace emissary, instead he'll combine the best parts of both.
2: Hmm.
0: My idea is that we'll have levels based on franchises in a sequence, i.e. a Mario level, then a Zelda level, then Metroid. Similar to Melee, but to make it feel more varied... There will be multiple possible levels that you can get from any given franchise. For instance, when you start up the game and enter into the Mario level, you have a 33% chance of either playing through World 1-1, Bob-omb Battlefield, or (laughs) Gusty Garden Galaxy. Ah, that's cool. Then the next level can either be the Lost Woods, the Tower of Hera, or a boss fight against Calamity Ganon. Then, to get the brawl-inspired part in, each boss fight can have an awesome CGI cutscene as an opening. <laughs> Think Ridley's announcement trailer only for Calamity Ganon or Kraid or something. Ah. Uh... If we want to really push it, maybe even incorporate character unlocks into it. Whenever you beat a boss fight for a given franchise, you have a very small chance of getting a challenger approaching scene right afterward where you fight a character from that franchise. I'm less sure about that, but I'll predict it anyway. All right. I know this is a lot, and is probably way too much to feature on the pod, but I just thought I'd share my thoughts and see if you two have any ideas yourself. Thanks for being awesome and making this incredible show for us. I've loved every minute of it so far. John W. By the way, the RPM triangle is real. Stop denying it. Yeah, John W. <laughs> Woo! Thanks, John. Thank you for that email. <laughs> uh yeah, I I love that idea. I think it's really great. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something along those lines. Like, I, I'm not sure if this will be the exact layout that Sakurai mm-hmm. goes for, but I think the idea of making something a bit less elaborate and ambitious than Subspace Emissary, uh, but still having some of its cinematic elements yeah, and drawing a little more from Melee this time, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think you're onto something, John. I, I think that's a cool idea. I
1: agree. Um I would definitely not complain if spirit's mode or whatever
0: yeah
1: uh was configured in this fashion.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of funny like uh um like spirit's mode kind of has sort of that vibe you're saying like potentially, you know, the mm-hmm. idea of like collecting spirits but not doing it in a mode with 500 cinematics that plays like a clunky Kirby game. <laughs> um Right. Which by the way I was very fond of when I played through it for the first time.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I have some nostalgic fondness for the old subspace Emmy. Yeah. um, But yeah, great mail, great idea. Thanks, John. Yes, your prediction about us not featuring your letter in our podcast was
0: incorrect.
1: <laughs> but uh, thank you for writing.
0: At Coxow on Twitter says, Now that we have two Belmonts, do you think Heihachi could be replaced... <laughs> With Kazuya and Jin, oh. their main characters could use the same fighting style, and they both have the devil gene. They could turn into their devil form to fly and shoot lasers. Huh. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool, Coxaw. <laughs> Thanks, Coxaw. Uh, yeah, great suggestion. And thank you uh, for the reminder to talk about our Heihashi prediction that didn't come true. <laughs> uh, during EVO. I still think that Heihachi has a shot at being playable. I still think he's more likely than he's not. But I have more of a feeling that he might be more like DLC as opposed Mm -hmm. to a base fighter because that that was kind of the perfect place to reveal Heihachi and it didn't happen if he's in the base game.
1: And in Heihachi's case, DLC stands for don't let him come in.
0: But now that we know that Echo Fighters can be a thing and that more than one representative can happen, Kazuya with Jin as an echo fighter or vice versa, it doesn't not make sense. Yeah. You know, like I've I've actually it's funny, ever since our Evo episode, I'd sort of been starting to think more about Jin, you know, mm-hmm. and how he might be a better fit representing Tekken, you know, like he he's also a main character of the franchise. Sure. He like has a lot more like like for example if they pit him against Ryu they ah. they sort of they sort of have a lot more in common thematically that makes sense uh you know if they're both sort of buff fighters in their 30s uh that are possessed by an evil energy that makes <laughs> them demonic fighters uh, that is weirdly that is a weird but true commonality yeah <laughs> i could see it happening i i feel kind of like is the more popular fighter, and it is worth noting that uh Sakurai was thinking about including Heihachi in four.
2: Nah. Uh, but
0: but decided against it for Pac-Man. Hmm. And but well, I don't know. He's changed his mind about weirder stuff. Yeah. And and you know, one of the things he was having trouble with for Heihachi is like how do I translate his moveset to Smash? Right. Maybe he looks he can't. Yeah. Maybe he looks at Jin, and I, I didn't mean to agree with that. I was just trying to, <laughs> I know, trying to continue my point. I'll give you that one.
1: <laughs> I won't
0: be unfair like Sakurai would be if he included a well, It's fine. Uh, but maybe he looks at Jin and finds a more Smash compatible moveset there right. with his electricity moves and his ability to turn into devil Jin. Yes. Uh, and then he looks at Kazuya. Uh, with his similar body type and his ability to also turn into a winged devil, uh, and is also having electricity attacks. And then he goes, hmm, Echo? Yes! <laughs> and then he's in there. I feel like Jin as a solo fighter is a bit more likely than Jin and Kazuya as a pair. Okay. Uh, but I probably would have said the same thing about Simon and Richter. <laughs> uh, right. Like, like, say, if Kazuya and Jin were revealed as a pair in this direct, right. and uh, and we th- and we thought about the possibility of Castlevania representation, I'd probably be like, I think Simon would just be in by himself. I don't see him <laughs> having an Echo <laughs> fighter. So, sure. basically, what I'm saying is that's really awesome, Coxow. Good thinking outside the box. Yes. Uh, I think... One thing, a lot of predictors, and heck, we suffer from this sometimes ourselves. I, and, you know, I try to avoid this, but you know, I think even I'm, I'm guilty of this. Is that we, we look at what everyone's saying should be in the game mm-hmm. and thinking that Sakurai would pay attention to that for seven seconds. <laughs> uh, just this direct alone, like we we did get some popular picks, right? Mm-hmm. We got some picks that everyone was clamoring for. I think Simon's kind of a popular choice. I think a lot of people wanted King K. Rule, and heck, even even Crom and Samus are fan favorites. But no one was no one was ever thinking about Richter. I like, right? I'm sure like one person was like Richter should be in instead of Simon, (laughs) but I don't think that guy ever honestly thought that Richter would be in instead of Simon. Yeah, and then the rest
1: of the internet was like, yeah, whatever, man, he's not gonna be in there. And then he was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and part of me does feel like this is the this is the game where it's most likely to get all these. These fan demanded characters in, right? This is, this is Smash Bros. Ultimate. Sure. He's going to get all the notable Nintendo history in here that he can. Right. And, you know, Heihachi is probably more notable than Jin. But yeah, I, some, sometimes I think the, the community that predicts things can be a little closed minded and Jin and Kazuya (laughs) as a pair is very open minded. So I, I love this tweet. Thank you, Coxile. Yes. Thank you. So, our roster predictions, as we've already sort of glazed over, this episode did not go too well for us. But <laughs> let's talk about what we got right. Right. Uh, what we got right is that every character from Smash 4 would return. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Ice Climbers return right. We got Wolf right. We got Ridley right. Right. Uh, here's stuff we haven't gotten right. Woo! Which now, uh, vastly outnumbers what we have. Uh, but I'm sure that'll even out. Well, we incorrectly predicted that not every Smash character ever would return. Characters like Pichu, Pokemon Trainer, Young Link, and Snake. Uh, we predicted that Skapone would be a playable character. Uh, They're an Assist Trophy. We predicted that Bomberman would be a playable character. He's an Assist Trophy. We predicted, Sean predicted that Minda would be a playable character. She's an Assist Trophy. <laughs> Simon Belmont is a playable character, and we said that he wouldn't be. Richter Belmont is a playable character, and we, we didn't, didn't even say conceive. his name. Crom yeah. <laughs> uh, from Fire Emblem is a, char- is a playable character. We did not predict that. Dark Samus is a playable character. Uh, we twiddled our toes. Uh we we dipped our toe in the water and pulled it back out and said oh, I'll dip it back in later. Yeah, it's too dark in there, <laughs> and it was so dark that she's playable. <laughs> and King K. Rule is a playable character, and we said, yeah, maybe, but we're not predicting him. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so here's predictions that haven't been resolved yet. Right. We have both predicted together that Captain Toad will be a playable character. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, that Rex with Pyrrha and Mithra will be a playable character, that Monster Hunter will be playable, that's, <laughs> that Sora from Kingdom Hearts will be playable, and that Rabbit will be playable. Some of this has made me rethink, like, this batch of reveals has made me rethink some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it makes me more confident about Monster Hunter. I'm now, like, officially like, waffling on Captain Toad. Okay. And we're getting so much, like, West love mm. that I wonder if rabbit is unnecessary now, mm. but rabbit is specifically European West love, uh... so I'm, I'm keeping rabbit in there. All right, predictions I made without Sean, uh, Starman from pro wrestling, mm. uh, Hey Hachi, <laughs> Dojo poor sportsmanship. Ah. <laughs> I guess that's fine. <laughs> rock rough will evolve into like Hand Rock. Sean's solo predictions temporarily outnumber mine. Mock Rider, Marks from Kirby, a Gen 8 starter, and Shadow the Hedgehog as an echo fighter. Chaos control!
1: Mm. Every time I try to do Shadow the Hedgehog's voice, it always sounds to me more like Illidan from Warcraft 3. <laughs> this is very moody,
0: demon-hunting elf. Well, maybe he also has came on... came... came... Well, maybe he also... <laughs> Well, maybe he also has chaos control, and he just hasn't realized it all this time. There you go. Thank you to everyone that sticks around for our predictions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> things are looking a little rough now, but I bet <laughs> if you guys stick around, we'll have an upswing. I, I feel like this is just like uh the the time that uh Charlie Brown has tried to kick the football, and he's falling down <laughs> in the dirt. But he'll get back up, and, right. and he'll win that softball game uh for like the Thanksgiving special or something.
1: We've kind of been demoted from Sherlock Holmes to John Watson, but we're not quite at bumbling Inspector Lestrade level yet. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> if you want to know where else you can find us, I have another podcast. It's called Play This with an exclamation point. It's kind of a book club for video games. Yes. Uh my co host and I uh recommend video games to each other and then have in depth discussions about them. And our viewers are encouraged to also play these recommendations. Uh, hence play this. Yes. Uh, my, my regular co-host, Max Lando, a stand-up guy is now holding a baby in his arms At as very w- most as we speak. <laughs> and he is therefore taking a hiatus from the podcast. Uh, our, the episode, the last episode that he features in Marvel Ultimate Alliance has been a very daunting editing job for me. So it is not up yet. It's. It's very late, but it will be up soon. And Sean Francis, the guy sitting across from me right now. That's me. Is a guest in that episode. More good news for you guys. Sean Francis is going to be, uh, a temporary co-host for at least a handful of episodes. Yeah. Uh, so if you like our dynamic here, maybe you'll also like it when we talk about video games that we're recommending to each other and, and sometimes really enjoying, and sometimes not enjoying so much. That's true. Uh, we try to be a little more intellectual on that podcast than we are here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, but I think there's still a lot to like about it. If you if you like us, maybe you'll like play this. Yeah. Anywhere they can find you specifically, Sean? Well, as a matter of fact,
1: I've got a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. R E Chief. If you search YouTube for that. I'll be the first RE Chief and probably the only one to come up. Uh, I do Let's Plays on that channel. Uh, most recently, I finished a Let's Play of Ace Attorney Investigations 2, which is now my favorite game in the Ace Attorney canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a Stagnant Undertale Let's Play that's hanging out on there that I aim to one day complete, so you'll be want to be caught up on that as well. Uh, I also have a SoundCloud page and that is soundcloud.com slash re underscore chief. I have uh, some some kind of like meme stuff on there where I've <laughs> recorded some comics and things like that and funny voices, and uh, I also have a demo reel on there if you're interested in retaining me for voice acting services, so check that out too.
0: Yeah, and speaking of voice acting, for both of us actually, uh, one thing we haven't really mentioned on this podcast uh, that's probably actually the highest scale, like the, probably the most prominent thing we've done <laughs> as performers and voice actors online so far is, uh, we are both starring in kind of a half actual play, half audio drama podcast yes. called Liberty Vigilance. It's set in this universe where one side of it is post apocalyptic and the other side of it is really like high sci fi. Yeah.
1: Kind of dystopian.
0: Yeah. And, um, basically, Sean and I played in a campaign in a modified fifth edition campaign. Yeah, set in this universe. Uh, we made our own characters for it and just uh had really stupid adventures. Uh, <laughs> and then the creator Travis Vengroff uh went in and audio edited our voice acting and our uh and and our choices uh to feel like a to feel like a high stakes audio drama yes uh with performances from actors like ashley birch yeah we co-star with ashley birch in an audio drama podcast and we figured you guys might want to know it's pretty wild yeah (laughs) like i have an
1: imdb page now that travis made (laughs) 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 because he's a stand-up guy and uh so that's cool uh you could look me up on IMDb and you can listen to this podcast that we're both in.
0: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Lots lots of places you can find us, but we will always be right here every 2 weeks. Yes. Next time on a Smashing Theory underdog franchises. Yeah. As we mentioned last episode, uh, when we were talking about new franchises, franchises that weren't represented in Smash 4 because they were too new, uh, we got a lot of cool recommendations for franchises that have been around a little longer that haven't been represented in Smash. And we want to give those guys a spotlight. Franchises like Rhythm Heaven uh, and Chibi Robo and stuff like that. Um, stuff that hasn't even been represented by sys Trophies, basically. We we want to look at those and see if there's potential for them to suddenly enter the spotlight uh, with Playable or stage representation or something, or even a Trophy representation. Right. So if you guys have any predictions of your own of what underdog franchises we'll see represented in Smash Bros, you can tweet at us at a smashing theory or email us at a smashing theory at gmail.com. And uh, while you're doing either of those things, don't forget to follow us on Twitter so you can get a chance at that. Sweet sweet free rivals of ether code. Yeah. Thanks everyone for all the mail you send us, all the all the great correspondence we get with you guys. We love everything we get mm-hmm. and we can't wait to get more. We will see you in 2 weeks. And I hope that you have a smashing time. I'm so
1: tired. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed until 2 weeks
0: from now. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Smashing Theory Man. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.